0: Hi, this is this Ross, Ross Bate.
1: from Role Playing Public Radio. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we? Are there going to do a group thing here? Okay, we're starting over. <laughs> oh, come on.
0: Uh, I, was
1: just, I was saying what you were saying.
0: God damn it, Tom. Uh, hi, this is Ross Bate with Role Playing Public Radio. This is RPPR episode seventy. Uh, there are monsters in the school, Tom. What?
1: Just- oh. This
0: episode, we're going to be talking about uh, monsters and other childish things. The One Roll Engine game that you might know uh, me—you might know because it's uh, uh, for the uh, Great Campaign Road Trip. Uh, And
2: uh, buy his book,
0: yeah. By uh, Ross
2: wants you to do this.
0: uh, So we're going to be talking about this. We're also going to have uh, this is going to be a special episode because Tom and I will talk about the game, but then I will have some of the people from the Drunk and the Ugly podcast. Over because they're running a campaign of road trip over Skype, fantastic. And uh, we're going to be talking about running the game and their experiences with that. So that's going to be a Skype roundtable with them. Uh, in the next episode, we're going to do Wild Talents, uh, just going on the one roll engine, you know, train. Ooh, yeah. And uh, I'll actually have Greg Stolze, uh, the author of Wild Talents, uh, show up, and the uh, mind will be blown. Yeah, he'll, we'll talk to him and uh, give him shit about, you know, oh my god, how could you design the system? I can't believe we managed to run this long yeah no it won't be like that i am he is a vastly
1: ross doesn't doesn't like to complain about things no
0: greg stolsey is a vastly better game designer than i will ever be so um oh yeah that reminds me actually about speaking about game design the kill explosion beta alpha test actually is well underway we've already gotten some limited play test reports remember if you are a contributor uh february 10th uh you should be sending in your play test reports and please get them in uh, we 're going to be doing an RPPR game of Kill Spursion, of course, and then once I you know uh, test it out and once I get all the feedback in i 'll revise the system accordingly and get yeah, the final get my pedi- stuff over to you yeah get uh, Tom 's fiction is going to be in the system uh, or in the game you know, to book in each chapter and uh, yeah, so keep that in mind uh, we 've been hearing great rep- reports on the RPPR Facebook group, which actually has a lot of discussion uh, uh, not the RPPR fan page but the Facebook group. And uh yeah, it's pretty fun. Awesome. So uh anyways, also speaking of buying my book, I have a new ebook for sale. It's called Zombies in Afghanistan. It's a follow up story. I know, sto-
1: I know. Zombies, Ross, really? I know,
0: I- right? Uh it's a follow up story to Zombies of the World in the sense that it's set in the same kind of world that Zombies of the World is in. They're uh, common knowledge. Right, where they're public and they're different species of zombies, but this shows what happens. Uh, when the army and the Taliban fight, and there are zombies around, and, uh, and zombies happen, yeah. So it's available for Kindle. It's f- available uh, also for uh, on Smashwords for any ebook format you want. As a ninety nine cent ebook, and also I'll let you guys in. There's a coupon in it for Zombies of the World, so if you go, you get that. You get a dollar off on Zombies of the World, so you essentially get it for free, and then you get Zombies of the World. So of course you have to buy it directly through my website because I can't set up coupons on Amazon. Uh, So Ross uh, doesn't have that power yet. Well, no one does. They don't. Yeah,
1: Ross can get it.
0: I published. You don't. You don't know how Amazon works, do you?
1: I know that there's nothing that you can't do, Ross.
0: I well, thank you for that vote of confidence, Tom. So, uh, if you like zombies, you want a quick read. It's a it's a about nine thousand words long, so it's a quick little read. It's worth a buck, and uh, you also get posters. We have posters for Zombies: The World Free, and use that the coupon for that. Oh so- yeah, I
1: don't believe that. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, thank you, Tom. You bet. So, uh, and it's also going to the, the character in it is going to be in the novel I'm still working on called Dead Power, which is zombies and humans working together. If that can... yeah, will that work out? And
1: Ross is actually I'm going to do some I'm going to do some zombie stuff for Ross too. Yeah,
0: uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. So, uh, also in RPPR news, uh, I recently got a new phone, uh, a droid, <laughs> and Tom laughs because my last phone I'd actually had since. I think 2007 or 2008. I shit you not. I know I had it at the inauguration. I went to the inauguration back in 2009, January 2009. So I had a, a long fucking wow. time because I am lazy and cheap, and I work at home. You know, because I'm a writer, and I don't really with only
1: the glow of his laptop to keep him. Coming. Well, yeah,
0: and uh, I don't really need to have a smartphone, but I gave in to needless luxury, and I got myself a Droid. Uh, and I found out there are all these podcasting apps. So I looked, at, I found out one called Stitcher. Stitcher, uh, I, I applied RPPR for Stitcher and it's, it's been accepted. So if you have the Stitcher app, which is available for iOS, I, you know iPads, iPhones, uh, iPad, iPod touches, and also uh, Droids, and I think um, uh, Palm OS. If you have a Palm device, you can now uh, get RPPR for free through Stitcher. So hooray for that!
1: Yeah, Droids. Uh, these are not. No, no. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. No. I'm well, sorry. and
0: iPhones. It's just okay. mobile, so you can get RPPR on the go. You don't need iTunes. Yes. Uh, yeah,
1: but I couldn't make that joke, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. so I
0: know. You You are a good man for doing that. I'm trying. I'm trying. So, <laughs> so that's a uh, good thing. And uh, if you have any other uh, – if you'd like RPPR on some mobile platform or some other pl- podcasting y- – uh, program or service or whatever that it's not let me know and i'll try and help out because I didn't, I didn't i hadn't even heard about stitcher before i got a drawing myself so i'm open to putting rpbr on as many platforms as possible i just you know didn't, didn't know it yeah i didn't know so
1: also uh, you'll soon get to see our faces in some stuff
0: oh yeah uh speaking of uh, uh rpbr branching out we're uh,
1: going to a visual medium if you will
0: yeah, we are. Uh, we uh, like I said, I got the video camera uh, for the RPPR uh, Kickstarter, and we've already started shooting some video for it. And uh, actually, a Tobin uh, Manthorpe uh, from Cedar Hills Game, who does uh, mobile games, yeah. uh, little RPGs, uh, is doing a. <laughs> looks like I mean he's shown me some. Uh, Images of the 3D models, he's doing a 3D model of the RPPR dragon and some fighting zombies, and uh, so there's going to be a little cool little intro for it, but we're doing videos uh, of live action stuff to sort of, we'll, we'll, we'll go into reviews and stuff like that, we're also doing comedy, uh, and sort of informative stuff, edutainment, like the Riff script reading. Oh uh, man. Uh, Because, you know, there is a Rift screenplay that has been published by Palladium Games, and I had some people come in and do, uh, including Tom and Thad, uh, do a script reading of select scenes. Wow. Yeah.
1: Just wow.
0: Yeah. I I
1: read this, and you know what? I feel hope. I felt hope that I could write something that would get paid money for in a movie.
0: Really? Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, they got option, but... It That's was, what I
1: mean, but they still money was exchanged.
0: There was exchange. Well, so
1: it makes me it makes me hopeful that anything, something I write, yeah, could be it could have the same thing.
0: This is true. This is true.
1: I'm not saying it's bad. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's not brilliant. <laughs> okay, Tom. it's not exactly. A, you're not going to see. A script like this, you know, in some movie in the Cannes Film Festival or something.
0: Right. So, uh, and we have other things. We're uh, actually the uh, taking some ideas of something like the best bits from our actual plays and converting them into improv skits uh, that we can shoot live action so we've done the ot yug for sale uh, which was also a bit of work so yeah uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to spoil anything about it it's it's well we had some we had some great help some great yeah. great uh, ideas Nathan, uh, who is also in water home from hell and also in D&D the best game ever uh, came and helped out and uh, we'll we'll let you we'll let you we'll let you find that it'll out it'll be an experience um, yeah. uh, also just a reminder we have a Minecraft server up with all all kinds of crazy shit being built. Uh, I am looking into m- mods for the server, so if you can find any really good server-side mods, uh, let me know. I'll be try to implement them. They're it's a little complicated, and I'm not very good at the Minecraft modding programming <laughs> stuff. But whatever, uh, it's really cool, and there's a really cool community of people building shit on the uh, Minecraft server. So uh, some of it is nuts. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Unspeakable. I'm still working on that with Shane Ivey. We just shot a recording episode, not shot, uh, with Scott Glancy, Shane Ivey, and Greg Stolze, speaking of him, talking about uh, historical accuracy in games or like how to run games in various eras, like how much research, uh, research is enough how much is too much how much is not enough uh, what uh, what builds immersion you know i know uh, i'm frequently criticized mm-hmm. for breaking immersion well,
1: i remember the dig to victory yeah that was
0: that's actually brought up in the episode so yeah. uh, and as part of that tom is actually going to be running some call cthulhu uh, historical call cthulhu and that we're going to put on the unspeakable because we have such a huge backlog in our ppr we're going to open it up Get let the Unspeakable have some of this stuff. So, Tommy, you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's essentially going to be uh, set in 1940 America with uh, players will be German saboteurs coming over here by U-Boat to carry out missions in secret since in 1940 America's not technically at war with Germany. So it's going to be some espionage, covert ops stuff in 1940s America. Yep. And then Supernatural happens. Well, of course. (laughs) It's
0: Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that. And uh, that's kind of it for the news. And we've been talking that for a little bit longer. Well, we got lots of news. We do. I know. Because we're sort of, in case you haven't realized, we're at a monthly schedule for the main podcast now. And we're weekly for the actual play. And I think that's a lot of content. You know, I know some podcasts do a lot more in terms of their. Regular release cycle, but we're doing two podcasts here, and we're we're doing videos, and we're doing,
1: uh, and it's
0: and it's a lot of work to do the and zombies of the world. It's a
1: lot of work to do the actual play podcast because we actually have to do games. Yeah, exactly. We have to do fun activities. Yes, we do three
0: hours at a time or more
1: or more. Yeah. God. And then I have, to, I have to do... Just to the, feed your insatiable appetite for it. <laughs> which we are willing to do.
0: Yes, because you are the best fans. You are the ever. best fans. You, you guys are awesome and stuff.
1: So, If anyone uh, says that you are not the best fans, they're calling me a liar. Yeah. You are the best. Exactly.
0: So, Monsters. Kiss, kissing ass. Yes. And other childish things. Yes, indeed. Let's talk about that. Shall we? It is a great game. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, it's, okay, yeah, I think right off the bat we should just get, yes, it is a great game.
0: It basically, um, just so you know, the reason why I did wrote for monsters and other childish things is uh, the first edition of it came out was this thin little paperback that was uh, on a print-on-demand service. I think it was like Lulu. Mm. Our dream, just uploaded a PDF, you buy the P- buy this little thirty-page game. Uh, it sounded really cool, so I bought it in like two thousand seven or eight, and. I loved it so much, I found I sought out Shane Ivey at the Gen Con, and also Scott Glancy, and yeah. uh, I just told Shane, you know, first that was the first year we did uh, Gen Con at all, and that's where I did Dig to Victory, and that was great, yeah. uh, but that was also, I told Shane, I love this game, please let me write for it, I want to write for it, I could write a campaign, and he was like, alright, send me an idea, and so I <laughs> sent him an idea that was Curriculum Conspiracy, basically, and it went on from there, and... That's like very few games. Like, the game I'm doing that for right now is Eclipse Phase. Hi, Eclipse Phase, guys. Please let me write for you. Okay, thanks, um Because I'm still writing. You know, <laughs> write that book. Yeah, write that book. <laughs> I'm still pitching things for Arc Dream, obviously, but um, they. It's very, very few games really get that reaction. Like, I must write. it. Like, th- that's the single best thing I can think of a game. I must write for it, you know? So um, that's how it started. And. We started playing it with obviously me playtesting the stuff for curriculum conspiracy, mm-hmm. and I think, um, and then road trip, and then kind of, and we we haven't done a campaign of it, which is kind of odd because I've written one, but I play tested each segment with the RPPR group, and then we I think
1: of, I have played in, I played in every segment of road trip except uh, Area Fifty One,
0: right? Yeah, which I've done at conventions, but uh, that that one's kind of. It's based on all the other chapters being put together. Right. So it's it's the one that I'd have to do a campaign. Yeah. Play. It's kinda it's kinda you can't really play test the, the finale.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'll be honest, I, I remember when I first when you first pitched it to us to play it, I wasn't that enthused. Oh, Because really? it's really the like, oh, we get to play kids in a game, that's wonderful. It's a, I I never I've never really liked to do and this is dating back actually to a game called Cybergen. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of
0: it, but why don't you tell me? It's um
1: well, it's what soured me. This was, like, high school still. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I played Cyberpunk, obviously, which, you know, everyone knows that about that, yeah. which I loved. And then one of our friends said, hey, you know, there's a game after that called Cybergen. And i like, oh, okay. So we played it. And then we're like, well, you're kids. And we start playing, and I realize... And he says, well, this is a lot, This is really great because it gets rid of all the guns and the armor and all that shit. Like, And that's when I realized, I really like the guns and the armor. In fact, <laughs> that's what I like. And... It's ever since that I've never really liked playing games for your kids because it kind of sours me on. I don't like to get to do the stuff I do. This was actually the first game I ever played, Monsters and Other Childish Things, where it was fun to play a kid.
0: Okay, and why is that? I mean, like
1: because well, it's oh the premise, you know. I am a monster whore. I love them. Yeah. And the fact that you're a kid with one, and it's not, and it's a, a kid with a pet monster that isn't Pokemon, mm-hmm. which was wonderful to me. And the fact that oh these things really do eat people oh, that's cool, but he really <laughs> digs you yeah and I guess and also it was really fun for me to actually get to role play both of them, mm-hmm. but it's, this was the, the, yeah, that was the game that actually meant okay playing kids can be fun you just have to have the right setting for it right yeah. game
0: yeah and that's sort of like uh, one of its greatest strengths and weaknesses at the same time is that monsters is. A toolkit of a game, which I know I've said it before by that i mean there's there's really no preconceived setting for it at all i mean you're you're a kid with a monster for a friend, but what are you right. so, like so go yeah, yeah, so go, so it doesn't define what that monster is, yeah. really is it like something or how that monster will change if you become an adult, who your adversaries are, what you're going to do, are they public, are they secret mm-hmm. uh that's all up to you
1: which so, i can, I like that
0: right. Uh and most of the time you don't need that for individual scenarios. Most players can sort of put that at the back of their head. But if you're doing a campaign, obviously that changes. But uh so you could do a Pokemon thing, you know, a Poke Thulu or, you know, mm-hmm. like hardcore like kids are the only ones able to tame these giant monsters that fight to the death. Or you could do something that's more like Scooby Doo, you know, where it's like solving mysteries. Only with- it's
1: the, the dog really talks and yeah. the dog is just what everyone else sees. Right. And
0: yeah, exactly. So there there there's a, a great uh, latitude in that. Uh, and I could really, the, the I could see, freedom. I could see
1: playing this in any setting, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or like any historical period, any mm-hmm. setting.
0: Yeah, uh, I've actually one of the things I proposed to on RPG.net, and I haven't pitched it to Shane yet, and I'm just mm-hmm. a monster. Is actually doing a version of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, or parody mm-hmm. of Dungeons and Dragons for monster and other childish things, where the idea is everyone is a kid in a village with a dungeon near it, and everyone's monster is a classic, iconic D&D monster. It could be a dragon. It could be a beholder. It could be a mind flayer. It could be whatever. And the idea is all the... And they have to keep these adults, i.e. the adventurers, from doing stupid things. And they kind of have to, like... Like they, they, either it could be like the dungeons, like a tourist trap, and the kids have to goad their monsters into fighting, you know, and mm-hmm. playing dead or whatever. Or they actually have to protect the uh, the sacred artifact from the adventurers who are just going to use it to blow up the world, or you know that that would be the big premise, yeah. you know, and like. I know some people on RPG.net love the idea and want me to do that. So, or they did. Yeah. But um, yeah. I
1: read about another one. Person said he was going to do a setting of monsters and other childish things. It's like
0: the Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huck and Huck Finn with yeah. monsters. Right, exactly. Uh, and that would work great. I mean, there's uh, all kinds of superstitions you can work in. Uh, you know, folklore, mythology. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 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 amazing. That's a really yeah. good idea. Another
1: one. I, another one I saw was like a game that was being done on a cruise ship out at sea. Mm-hmm. Just all kinds of – basically just all kinds of stuff you could do. Right.
0: So do, do whatever you that's, want. that's what attracted me to it. And that's, I think, where all of you can see that. You get the pocket edition of it, the little paper bag, which is like $10, $15. Bucks, and then you got enough to run a game. So, you know, you can go hog Wildwood and you can expand it. You get a lot, lot for your money. You do you get that. a lot. And then with bigger bads, which is another, you know, 15 bucks or whatever, uh, you have everything. You can even play just like not even a kid with a monster, but a kid – with just superpowers, basically. Like, uh, there's, uh, of course, the main campaign setting of Candlewick Manor. Yeah. Where he's playing, like, an Edward Gorey X-Men type of character. You know? Yeah. Uh, Adam's family X-Men. You know? You're, like, mm-hmm. the the kid with the Insmith look. Or the kid that can draw the color out of space or whatever. You know? Something weird like that. Um, We have an actual play of that. You know? if You would,
1: That's the... And actually, yeah. I remember that... That was the one time I tried to run this, but all kinds of stuff just went wrong.
0: Yeah. So it's it's a really fun game, but there's a lot of things that can go wrong with it. Um, I think the first thing that a lot of people would look, may, for those of you who've looked at it and kind of like, eh, maybe not, I think one of the first stumbling blocks is not unique to monsters, but just the one roll engine in general Mm -hmm. um, is a major stumbling block for a lot of people who might want to play these games, but like... It's 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 different. I mean, and there is a learning curve yeah. with the one roll. That
1: did it took us a while to learn it.
0: Yeah, and there are a lot of times where we didn't know exactly how to like combat's a bitch when you when you're not really sure about how to do you know um, declare roll resolve you know once you until you have that down and even when you get a lot of players especially in wild towns but you know uh, even in that's Monster another story yeah that's another story that's next episode we're we're not gonna. Deal with that next time on yeah. RPPR. Yeah, I'm mean, gonna, Greg grow like, what the hell did you, use? son? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he just,
1: then he just stares at you and you
0: back down. Well, because he has that power. It's, it's over Skype. You, he's 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 an nice man. He's a perfectly. Yes, reasonable.
1: I know. It's just if you start that, he would just not even
0: angrily stare yeah. you. Would just lock gazes, and you would just. I oh, lose my will. Russ, you fool!
2: That's what is that said. You fool!
0: So um, yes. there's that, and there's really um, you just have to sort of bite down. I don't know an easy it's way. It's pretty much
1: to... ex- just try it. And yeah, uh, I
0: would little... say I would say start simple with it. You know, yeah. just little skill challenges. Can you make any matches yeah. on these dice? I'd
1: say actually, but definitely do try um, monsters before you try like wild talents. Well, uh, I think yeah. it's a
0: little. I think <laughs> monsters is a little easier. It, monsters is definitely easier. It's wild talents on training. It's definitely, uh, it doesn't have nearly the complexity that it does. I mean, why, it, Monsters was designed out of Wild talents. Mm-hmm. It, it was designed, Ben uh, Bo designed it out of uh, Wild talents, sort of like simplifying it. So, so it, it's that. a good intro to the one-roll engine, I think. I think uh, um, Nemesis would be better if it was in print, but it's just a PDF, so it's kind of paying. And Rain, I think, would be better if the setting was... Not as emphasized as it is, it's got mm-hmm. a very exotic fantasy setting, so yeah. I think it, it really out of um, well, maybe godlike because godlike you, you're you have superpowers, but well, no, godlike is superpowers work really weird in that, so yeah, monsters really is the simplest one on yeah. game.
1: And uh, I've heard one thing, another, another thing, oh no, about.
0: dirty world. Well, even dirty world is kind of complex because mm-hmm. you have that rhetoric, so yeah. Yeah, that's a good but, point. Monsters really is easy. Isn't
1: it? But I'd also say that another thing I've heard people that don't care for it is they don't like
0: having to role play two characters. That is uh that is a big thing because the idea is the basic unit uh usually is that you're play- you have a kid who has a monster friend and each player gets one. Mm-hmm. Now, you there are ways to roll you could say each player is a kid or a monster, but the I mean the rules are set up so that you have like relationships that only the kid has. But can loan to the monsters, and mm-hmm. there are certain like monsters don't have a perception skill. For example, they might have an ability, but that's specific to the monster. They don't have skills at all. They have their mm-hmm. abilities, which are variable. So, like I know when I've run games, like oh, make a make a notice check. Oh, wait, monsters can't make notice checks. Well, just sit on your thumbs, you know, or, and, or and sit and, in your storage device. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's a good point. Like, uh, so normally you have to have a kid. Uh, with a monster and so mm. how do you do that like most players would treat the monster or the kid as equipment basically like yeah <laughs> or henchmen like yeah. do this slacky yeah you know.
1: i i actually that's one thing i love doing yeah because i i've actually the most some of the most fun i have and i think some some of my best role playing in that is when i'm having a conversation with my monster yeah and i love to go back and forth like that yeah and a lot of people do yeah. But I can see that's one thing I've heard a lot of some people say is that it's either they don't want to, to play two characters at once or I just don't know if I can do it. I'm not I'm not that good. I've heard that from some people, but I to me I can't complain about that cuz it's one of my favorite things.
0: I think uh it, it it's obviously a very variable thing. Some people aren't going to re- really like and some people are are going to really enjoy that. So, uh if you're going to run it, you kind of need to get a sense of your groups biases and maybe kind of come up with some how i mean that's a great thing about monsters is it's so customizable so you know uh easy to modify that you can easily adapt so Mm. if there's two players who are like you know, like, if you have two players that are dating each other and they're, like, uh, uh, very knit, you could have, have them be a monster and a kid. Because mm-hmm. they're going to be finishing each other's sentences anyways. So that yeah. that really works. Um, but if you have one player who's really shy and reclusive, you might have him be both just so he has enough opportunity uh, to try something at any given mm-hmm. time. Or someone like you who just loves role-playing with monsters and loves talking to himself. Because, yeah. you know, you're at GM a lot of the time, so you're used to doing that. Yeah,
1: like- Actually, yeah, I I remember, I, yeah, you know, I got a lot of just a lot of laughs when I was playing Mr. Duke and the other kid.
0: Yeah, because the thing is, you need to think of it as you have you now two faces to present to the group. You can either be the kid or the monster. So if the kid can't do something, the monster can. Mm. So like, if you can't think of something witty for your kid to say, then think about the monster. So yeah, you have two sets of tools to role play with. Um, so th- if you think of it that way, I think it really helps. So, yeah. um, oh, the, the the other thing is logistical and the, the the guy the GM's part, which is if you're if you have a large group, you really do need to split it up, or you need to think of some things because if you have like six players and six monsters, s- yeah, yeah, six players is equal six kids and six monsters, which is redonkulous. Uh, yeah, you better have Cthulhu showing up to give them a challenge. Yeah, uh, and Dagon and Hydra because that's another thing. Well. Especially, uh, I found is combat. You really do need to have about equal co- uh, combatants on either mm-hmm. side. You can't just have one if you or you if you use the bigger bad supplement and have like a monster that's gigantic versus because they have size rules. You could have mm-hmm. a Godzilla sized monster fight a bunch of smaller monsters and actually have it be somewhat balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can do that, but it's uh, it's tricky. So. Uh, you have to think about how you're going it, to... It, it's, it's Tricky people. Yeah. It's, again, kind of like superhero games in that it's really... There are no um, baselines for it. I mean, there are no, like... It's not like D&D where you're going to have monster... Characters of level 5 can only fight CR5 monsters, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. It's kind of... It, it. It's really variable. So you have to be very aware of your group's limits and powers. So... Um, the, of course, the main thing is, and that's based on how they create their characters. Which
1: actually, I'm gonna say that's one of my favorite. Th- another one of my favorite. Well, players. and that's,
0: but that's also a big stumbling block too for a lot of people because aside from the One Roll Engine, the monster creation system is really atypical of role playing games. I mean, the, the, for kids, it's very straightforward. You have this many points, mm. you get this many for stats and this many for attributes, and then you assign relationships. And we'll get to relationships in a little bit. But monsters, why don't you talk about that? Like,
1: well, essentially, the monsters is it's basically you. You have to design it like from the basically from scratch. Yeah. And uh, essentially, I think you have to come up with I believe ten dice worth of hit locations. Yeah. Which can be anything. You know, say like you know you can make it where your monster is a giant plant, or you know the monster's teddy bear with the mouth vertical mouth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yog so. St- Yog's so soft. Yeah.
1: But it's you have to basically then assign what each one does, and there's all there's like several different stats for each location whether it can attack, defend, or do something else. Yeah, and uh, there's like you know, there and there's like you know, like I, b- I believe like a hundred dice worth of stuff you have to put it you can put it 50. into 50. Yes. Because
0: it's uh 10 hit locate. Because again, the one roll engine it's all based on hit locations, and each hit location you have 10 points worth because you're rolling a 10 sided die. Uh, and you know, like if you roll up uh Five, you know, two fives, you're hitting a hit location five, for example, or ten, which is the head. But uh, each die, each point of location has five Mm -hmm. dot points worth of abilities assigned to it. So you have 50 points total and you can only sign up to four to one contiguous hit location. So Mm -hmm. um, that's the idea. So you like you have your head, your torso, your legs and your arms, you know, for of course, in this
1: monsters, it's yeah each hit location could be something just wildly different. And- yeah. Well,
0: it doesn't even have to be, like, really tangible. It would be, like, menacing aura or, mm-hmm. you know, dark shadows or something like that. So the idea is you punch him into his dark shadows, you know, which yeah, sounds and, pretty uh, dirty, actually. And the but-
1: thing is, like, you know, and the book, ha- it lists what each of those, each of the things you can assign to it does, like gnarly. Yeah. Which is basically extra. Which ex- is extra damage. Extra damage. And you know stuff like that, but it doesn't really give you a chart of how to build it. Yeah, that's all up to you. And for some, a lot of people, that's kind of a daunting challenge.
0: Yeah. No. One thing the book does suggest, uh, which I've I've heard has good success in some groups, is have the give the players crayons and mm-hmm. paper and have them draw their monster. You know, and then once they draw them, then you can assign numbers to each area. You know, this is a big area, so that's five through seven or something like that, and you know, go from there, and then you can assign points to it. So, what can this part of the monster do? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's and that's something a lot of people do that's good for role playing. So, uh, you know,
1: Ross, I just realized yeah. the Atiog would make a great monster for monsters and other challenges. Oh no!
0: It, like I said, every single monster in Dungeons and Dragons would make a great mm-hmm. you know uh, monster for. Yes, uh, I think I remember
1: the first monster I ever designed was a mi- was a Nazi mind flayer, right. Wow, I was obsessed with shit back then, wasn't I? You, back then, don't don't go there. Did you not just oh, yeah, say
0: but, we're German saboteurs in 1940?
1: Yeah, yeah. You Shut up, bro. They're not, but them. you're not mind flayers. You might have an easier time if you were, but you're not.
0: <laughs> <All right. laughs> Anyways, but so that's kind of like especially if you're going to run a game of it you're going to have players come in that's something you're really going to need to read up on generate a few on your own so you can get a sense of it because it's not easy it's 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 definitely the most abstract hard to get part of the rules that if you can get through that and the basic one roll engine mechanics you you're you're in the clear you're you're good um you know everything else is much simpler like assigning you know creating npc monsters there's of course, tons in the book, uh, and there's tons Some of really road good trip. ones too. Yeah, and or uh, well, every book, ha- every mm-hmm. supplement for it has monsters. Um, there's also in the bigger bad supplement threats, uh, mm-hmm. which are basically dice pools of threats. And so instead of saying goons and then writing out stats for five crappy goons, you know, like, right? you're like 10D goons, you know. Uh, and then it, that, again, well, we're not going to explain the rules, so just look it up on there, and you know, you realize it's easy to go through. so... And, yeah, once you get that down, you should be good for a lot of the other one-roll engine games. Um, yeah, because they, I mean, they're all meant to be the same system. Now, that, of course, there are quirks um, that are unique to monsters. Now, aside from the monsters themselves, there are the relationship mechanics, which are sort of the kind of uh, Think, unique feature of it, you know? Yeah, like,
1: like these are, the, like, the things that give your character strength.
0: Right, emotional strength. These are their ties to other people and like, things. like Friends, family. right it can be your objects. dog. Yeah, you you didn't like I mean, it's easier for role play like your parent your parents, your friends, yeah. but you you I know you mentioned you didn't like the some of the or how Some was, of them
1: yeah, like well there's some things people put, you know, put dice into like literally I had one was a, a put, you know, his some of relationship dice into his trapper keeper. Yeah. Which I can see the you know, um Say if you're trying to roll, roll to remember uh, like where you put something, you know, you know you hit it, but that was a long time ago, and you just you know kind of look at that, just something that you had at the time. Yeah, like, which I could see working, but if you're trying to like run down a corridor with a hor- horror from beyond time and space lunging at you through the school corridor, and you want to get and you want to try to run a little faster, right? I don't see how you could look at your trapper keeper and do that.
0: Right, well, just so you know, like, by the, these relationship mechanics, you define them, you assign them mm-hmm. a point value, you get, like, six points, you distribute them mm-hmm. among at least two relationships, and you... You get, like, bonus dice. Anytime you invoke them, you say you get a bonus die equal to that. And uh, if you
1: succeed, nothing happens, but if you well, fail... Well, no, if you succeed,
0: you succeed, nothing... But, but if you fail... Your relationship, y- your is, relationship damaged. is damaged. And you have to spend time... You have to spend effort to repair it. You have know, to fix yeah. it. So, like, you could say... You know, the the standard example is your one of your parents, your dad taught you how to fight. So you could invoke your dad relationship in order to punch a bully in the nose. But yeah. if you fail, then you, you get mad at your dad. Or he gets mad at you because your clothes are all messed up from the fighting. And then you have to make it up to him or something mm-hmm. like that. So uh you can also loan them to monsters which can they can then use on their abilities but if they fail then the same thing happens which yeah, well, it's,
1: it's a great system I, yeah. I i i like that it's just when it makes sense yeah but that's really that's really not really a, it's not uh, a game uh, system thing it's more
0: of a just a personal it's open to abuse from players yeah. in other words yeah um you know like my my relationships my trench coat and my katana and my master who is in another country, and I never talk to him. You know, it's so, like I'm not even sure he exists. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I was on a lot. In of, order to repair was my a relationship, of... I just think I don't <laughs> say anything to him. I don't have to do anything. I just
1: right. I was on a lot of pixie sticks at the time. Yeah,
0: exactly. So um, yeah, it's open to abuse. So keep 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 that in mind. Um, but yeah,
1: it's it's a good system when it's not abused. I'll only yeah. say that. we' put it that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the idea is, is, you know, when I after I wrote a curriculum, I came up with a road trip because again, it's this very diverse kind of system mm-hmm. that allows for a different a lot, a, a lot of different ideas. I know a lot of people uh, have used it for different things. I know Aaron used it for his uh, Nim, NIM yeah. Secret of Nim game uh, with the Cthulhu Mythos. So uh, that that, that yeah. got intense. Yeah, that did get intense. So <laughs> you could see it's it's a very versatile thing. I mean, there are some things that it is it is a lighter game than say you know warhammer 40k you know, yeah. you know Death Watch, you know it's not exactly you know that but uh i don't know what do you think no it
1: is it's normally like, i always do i don't know about i don't know about you but whenever i hear like i'm going to be playing in a game yeah and i whenever i hear what the game is i, my, I automatically go into a mode like okay here's what i can expect now, D&D, you know, obviously I have certain, when I think I'm doing that, okay, I'm, there's some things, certain things are going to happen. I will have to worry about some things, I will not have to worry about some things. With this game, it is, okay, it's going to be a lighter game, I'm never going to be in danger of actually dying. Because a kid suddenly dying, that's not what this game is about, really. And uh, a lot of kind of, you know, PG scary moments, really. You know, you're you're, ne- you're never gonna ha- you're never gonna have to see a slaughtered person hanging upside down on a cross. Now I have been in games where that has happened. Um, well, it does. But I I don't think about that. So if that right. actually did happen,
0: I'd be surprised. Right. Um. It it Ben uh, ran a game of Candlewick, and he had, oh I, I
1: remember this. Well, I wasn't in it, but you told yeah because I was at Dragon me. Con. Uh. But I remember you telling me he had you about a
0: character it. another an NPC girl. Uh, have like a bunch of scissors fall on her and she died from that. So it was like a very Edward Gorey kind of like mm-hmm. uh gruesome death. And so it, it can be darker but I I mean I especially for road trip kind of kept it sort of lighthearted because I didn't again it's yeah. easier to skew light and then it, the individual GM can make it all grim dark and turn it all Frank Miller as I as on the road for 3, you know, 12 yeah. hours and blah blah, yeah. blah beat down as the demons are chasing, yeah. me, you know. And, but uh, or, and
1: robot nurse Ratchet would be a lot more
0: sinister. Yeah, exactly. She'd have swastikas and you know tattoos and branding, and yeah, it would get intense really quick. But it's easier to go from light to dark than dark to light. If you start out with Nazi robots, mm. then you can't really dial it back. Like, oh, they're just goofy German robots, you know? Like, are yeah. It's it's keep it consistent. Yeah. So if you're gonna do that, you kind of need to think of your tone of voice because. Um, there's nothing in the system that says this is the right way. Any way is the right way. It's just try and be consistent. Yeah. But normally
1: um, when I think of it, I think of a lighter game.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of how it's intent. You actually, um, uh, even Candlewick Manor, which is probably the darkest published material mm-hmm. for it is still again, kind of the Adams family kind of level of Edward Ward mm-hmm. kind of quirk, not, you know, even Edgar Allan Poe or, you know, uh, yeah, not uh, not the, crow, n- not the so. ring or anything. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> not exactly that. So,
1: um, oh yeah. By the way, someone actually designed the the tape from the ring
0: as a monster. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Uh, that's a great thing about it is that it can be designed in so many different ways. Like, there's so, once you start looking for it, there's so much material out there that is. Perfect for monsters and other childish things that you can get campaign ideas from. Anything there was a music video uh, last year. Skrillex, who is a dubstep DJ, came out with this uh, song or the music video for it, and I can't remember the name of the song. But because it, it, Skrillex, it's it's all. It Does not really matter? You are like, no. really think of the song title like it's Skrillex. It's kind of all the same. Um, it's this you know creepy child you know molester type you know within then trish following this little girl and she goes into a basement and then this she starts you know using telekinesis to throw him into walls and he's screaming ah and then this fucking giant monster appears behind her and you're like oh my god that's a monster's character they, yeah, and you know they hunt after- down creepy adults and kill them like
1: and then afterwards they're gonna look and then giggle yeah
0: well and then put another notch on the wall that's yeah. literally how the music video ends and that that's that's like the perfect kind of thing and then you you know every kind of video game you have everything like psychonauts like bigger bats has rules for like uh, playing not just with uh monsters but setting up rules to where kids have basically creepy weird powers you Mm -hmm. know so you could do psychonauts the video game um speaking of which uh have you played psychonauts yes okay yeah um the Tim Schafer from the the guy who created it said, "Oh, I'd love to do Talking too. we were just not able to do it because we don't have the money. Nobody wants to give us money for it." And then Notch, the guy who created Minecraft, was like, "How much money?" And this <laughs> is over Twitter, and they're like, "No one talks about it because Notch is, of course, you know, sitting like Scrooge McDuck, you know, yeah, all like over a- in Europe Land, being all rich from Minecraft addicts." And <laughs> he's like, "He's like, bring me the head of a pig." yeah exactly, <laughs> so I want to fund psychonauts too, because it amuses me so that's that's kind of it um, so there might be a psychonauts too, so that, hooray for that uh, so tangent over but there there is just a vast body of literature of entertainment of stories that could be turned into monsters and other childish things. Campaign, so literally mm-hmm. anything it could be as dark as you want or as light as you want, uh, and yeah. you don't even have to have it be kids. Like uh, it could be like talking animals, like uh, Aaron did with the Secret mm-hmm. of NIMs. So it's yeah. just how you interpret the rules. Uh,
1: I really like to do one where the players just play the monsters, and the kids are actually NPCs beyond their
0: control. Okay, yeah, you could do that. Uh, <laughs> that would be very easy to do. Like,
1: I'm like, like you know they're your only way out of whatever. Otherworldly dimension you dwell in. You just
0: need a couple of rule hacks to give monsters uh, the ability to do basic ability mm. checks. Like, per- I mean, the main thing is perception because that make mm. a notice check. You know, it's kind of like that's a law, that's a that's a very common check in fucking every game ever, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like notice hidden things. Like, hmm what is it about that that is and so universal? Palladium doesn't have that, uh, don't they? No, they do not. I thought they had. They finally added in a perception thing in the newest version. Not, not that I remember. Okay uh i mean yeah i know back in the 90s or whatever but i thought they finally um i don't know that was (laughs) we're thinking too much about palladium yeah we are yeah so you can see there's just uh anytime you want to do i mean it's even lighter than little fears the game we just ran for uh uh, on the podcast a little while ago or on the actual play podcast oh the uh, polybius yeah polybius um so you even thought like little fears was darker and you know more grim dark i did yeah.
1: Because to me it I just I got the vibe from that game that there was a chance you could die. Just it was there. Yeah. You know they, they, like you know the when the first when the uh horrible frog thing first showed up I'm like oh my god he could actually kill one of us with that acid spit. <laughs> I got that vibe from it.
0: Uh and you wouldn't necessarily in a monster's game if you were just playing kids with maybe one or two supernatural abilities
1: right okay uh i can never you know, let's be honest when we were kidnapped by cool rat uh, yeah i did I well never... that was a
0: fate worse than death if you didn't get away <laughs> that was you know being uh trapped i think or...
1: i remember the first time i played that i joined the ninjas and like are like so i have swords like you know little rubber little plastic swords like I try to cut my wrist with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I mean, in in the Sucrose Park thing, that that's a fate worse than death, right there. So
1: yes, you know. to exist only to be to be entertained. I actually,
0: uh, someone sent me the conversion notes. One of the RPPR fans sent me conversion notes of the Sucrose Park NPCs into Little Fears. So really? yeah. Uh, which i thought was great like all right cool yeah. by the way huh, radical yeah radical yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know what it is that sucrose park does seem to be the most popular out of all the road trip uh, uh we'll talk of course yeah when i do the Skype road, road call we'll, we'll talk about that with the drunk and the ugly guys so
1: fantastic uh, uh, that would be awesome
0: jawsome really so uh, oh wow
1: really i know what i'm the one that actually owns that vhs ross
0: I've, it's on YouTube, Tom. It belongs to the internet. It belongs to the world. <laughs> if it's on the internet, it belongs to the world. It does. So deal with it. It's dealt with. Okay, great. So <laughs> uh, when we come back, we'll have a letter from Tom. We'll have shout outs and anecdotes. And yeah. Awesome. <laughs> We're uh, this is still episode seventy. Uh, there are monsters in the school, Tom, uh, and we're still talking about monsters and other childish things. And uh, but this time we're going to be talking with uh, Matt Nathan from the Drunk and the Ugly podcast. Uh, so why don't you guys introduce yourselves, Matt?
3: Uh, hi, I am uh, I am Matt Campen. Uh, I am the uh, administrator of the Drunk and the Ugly. I also edit most of the show, and I've run. Probably about forty games on there, uh, interchangeably of Road Trip, Mrs. Frida's and other well, games. And I can say other challenge things. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it is a kind of a mouthful to say. It is it is a little Mwacked uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. just say, I
0: just call it yeah. monsters for short now. <laughs> yeah, exact yeah, that's what I
2: use. Uh, I I do as well. So uh and Nathan? I'm uh, I'm Nathan Knapp. I host the drunk and the ugly. Um and uh I am almost, almost a published author.
0: Almost a published author. Uh, yeah, uh, your sorted dystopia game on Kickstarter, I presume, here is what yeah. you're referring to. Um, yes, yeah, so we're, we're going to be doing a... I'll be doing an actual play with these guys uh, over uh, Skype at some point that will be on The Drunk and the Ugly. Uh, I'm still reading up on it. it. There is a lot of material. The playtest PDF-thesame is 100 pages, so I'm still looking through it. So... Uh, Drunk and the Ugly fans, you have that to look forward to. Uh, but we're, of course, we're on RPPR, so uh, uh, maybe they'll listen to both. Ah. The, the...
2: I think I think actually I think actually all of our listeners also listen to RPPR. That's <laughs> probably, I mean, it works prob-
3: probably. I don't know any Drunk and the Ugly listeners. If you don't listen to RPPR, wait, you're not going to comment on this. Damn it!
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully, you'll mention it on your website. Yeah, but, uh, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll just yeah, we'll see how this goes. Um, so. With Tom, you know, we were, uh, talked to him about playing monsters and uh, uh, both in building characters, learning the one-roll engine system, uh, role-playing two characters at once. But uh, this, I wanted to talk to you guys because, uh, one, you approached me and gave me the idea, and, that, and I'll totally steal it, so but thanks. Uh, and then the, the, the second is that you both have experience running the game. Uh, and the running the game, I mean, playing it is a bit of a challenge because of, you know, the factors I just mentioned, but running the game is even more of a challenge uh, because of everything from player expectations to, you know, the lack of a single cosmology, you know, set of rules for the system. And uh, I know one of the first things when we to outline is you guys said, throw away your notes. So what did you mean by that?
3: Um, I mean, it basically when... Uh... Uh, and this is a thing I learned very, very early on in this—that um, you you can't try and like write anything remotely linear for for a Monster No Childish Things game. Um, even if you, even if you, uh, I mean, you can look over your players and like watch them like hawks. And I did that. That's actually on the community actual play um, in a couple early sessions. And all it proceeded to do was just get, make me very angry as everything failed repeatedly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I, even in the most basic sense, like monsters is the easiest is the easiest system to make a character that is unstoppable in. Um, you you cannot you cannot hope to make something that will defeat your players unless it's going to be frustrating. Um, and I mean really, you, why are you trying to make something to defeat your players? Um, and on the other side of that, uh, some so, uh, your players could have uh, your monsters can do anything thanks to the thanks to the useful quality. Um, mm-hmm. and they can do um. You may want to—I don't know. Well, don't like as we am say, as I'm saying right now. Don't try and limit your players and what they're doing. Um,
0: yeah, again, <laughs> it goes back to the same sort of rule that we go to improv theater. Don't say you know. Don't say no. Say yes, yes but. but. Yeah, so yeah. that that's just a universal rule, but I got, I agree because in Monsters again, you don't have that emphasis on plot that you do in, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, normal yeah. role playing games, but in, in Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu, there's a dungeon to crawl, there's a mystery to solve, there's this the plot is the central thing. And in Monsters, it's very much focused on the characters and the relationship, who these the, these, these kids are and how they relate yeah. to their monsters and how that relationship uh, uh, relates to the larger world and that that sort of takes center say, so defeating oh, yeah. the monster isn't as important defeating the bad guy or solving the mystery isn't as important as how you got along doing it, oh yeah, most so.
3: most definitely, and one of the things is like monster challenges are really easy to overcome typically if a if a you know it's real if somebody else is using a monster, you can bust you can bust yours out. no problem. what's really hard for children to do is solve mundane problems. the first thing i uh, the first thing I had actually um first scenario I'd actually written for our other uh for the campaign mrs frida's halfway home was just like um you guys want to go see an r-rated movie your uh guardian won't let you do that what are you gonna do And it's
0: that's yeah, yeah old, that's surprising because then it, it, it the the other thing is that you know there's always this theme in t- of temptation because you have this you know in one abram's tank with claws you know that can <laughs>
3: you have a you have a helicopter is, that's also a whale yeah,
0: yeah exactly but how is that going to help you see an r-rated movie you know in a mission that requires stealth and subtlety <laughs> yeah. and discretion you're these are not exactly virtues these are not exactly assets and there so.
3: was somebody who, uh, who when they're uh, due to external supernatural sources, the, their guardian ended up finding out that they snuck out and came after, came after the kids. Um, and one of them panicked, ran out the fire door, proceeded to summon his giant flaming bird, hop on it, and fly across town back home. <laughs> which comes not to quite
0: you... <laughs> yeah not <laughs> quite not, not quite the most subtle solution yeah um with <laughs> no, of course <laughs> um so it's kind of in a sense that you have this power i know was it you nathan i think that said that the uh, monsters is really a deconstruction sure of power, power fantasies. Yeah.
3: oh it's actually matt yeah Oh, okay
0: yeah. sorry I'm
3: fine. yeah that was yeah i mean that. i mean that's one of the things that's written it's written in the book it's not it's not like you know um I mean it's less a matter of like um what do, or how do you solve this problem and more like do you want to solve it this way. I mean there there is a thing uh I mean there's a there's a thing in there that, like monsters always have your best intentions in mind like Timmy uh Timmy fails a grade like his monster realizes he doesn't like that. The monster decides to solve the problem by going to his teacher's house, dangling him over a balcony and saying, give Timmy an A."
0: and <laughs> um, again it, it kind of goes back to I mean again this idea of you know how not how to accomplish the task but you yeah. know what are you learning from this are you learning that you can always you know the ends justify the means that if you have the might makes right or are you gonna learn actual values so there there's the struggle is a little more subtle than people initially think I think
3: yeah in and, Monsters uh, games. and I mean definitely when you actually get to the point where you have to um, I mean, one of the things that I that I've said, and this is the main this is the main reason that it's sort of a deconstruction of a power fantasy, is um, monsters can be as strong as you want them to be because if you ever need to use a monster to solve any problem, you have already lost. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, if you need, I mean, it, unless the problem involves another... other. Well, I wouldn't say always lost. I mean, you do. I mean, obviously there are the. It's gonna. Co- the, it will. Okay, I mean. Mods. I mean. It'll. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. And the, it, there are the supernatural problems, but for any other problem, if you need, if you do that, it is generally going to cause more problems than it will solve. Those problems may be smaller than the initial problem you were trying to solve, but there will still be more of them.
2: For instance, uh, you know, bringing bringing to head the uh, the interests of say the men in black or Levi Athen. you know mm-hmm. things on th- things, things along those lines which generally just creates a source of endless antagonism
3: right yeah I mean that uh, that that was I mean uh, um like I was saying uh earlier the uh when uh when the uh, the one kid uh, whose name is uh, the character's name is George uh, managed to summon his flaming bird condor to go back. Um, within days uh within days there were people there that were um you know UFO enthusiasts saying come you know greetings aliens etc um and then short and then shortly after that there were there were um more eccentric investigators uh which were <laughs> which which was a people who people who know about people who there are few people that know about monsters and are interested in exposing them to the world and one of those no. one such person managed to uh sneak into the uh the uh, orphanage where all, where all of these children live uh managed to disguise himself as one of the attendants and held held the he had a device that could that uh he stole from the MIB that could detect monsters he mistook one of the monster having kids as one of the other ones and proceeded to hold that character at gunpoint and uh tell her that they were going for a ride
2: jeez and then and then her monster proceeded
3: to eat him <laughs> yeah that got yeah it it went to a it went from a dark place to a darker place <laughs> yeah because she then proceeded to
2: she then proceeded to suddenly realize how problematic it is to ask her monster to do anything, right? I her think monster t- in a sense,
0: you know, him. it's it's um it's interesting that these kind of ideas come out of it because you know mechanically, <laughs> games mechanic wise, um monsters came out of the wild talents rule set. It was you know simplification of wild talents which came out of godlike. So it's like, and these kind of themes are obviously very you know core to the whole superhero genre as well as like what should I use my supernatural powers to solve money mundane problems. And, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, in a sense. So you have the same kind of tropes, the same kind of conceits that you have in superhero games and comics and whatever else, except, you know, with Lovecraftian monsters eating, you know, uh, uh, you know, amateur reporters, you know, the Bigfoot hunters, basically, or uh, whatever the guy would call himself. Um, So, it, it, so when you're running for so my you know one of the things to keep in mind when you're running the game is to keep these kind of ideas uh in in mind so you know think of like the venom saga for spider-man only or the doctor or the unicorn motorcycle for dr mcdenja for those of you who read web, web comics uh that same kind of ha ah, so what can i do with this you know and how is it and then as a gm you think well how can i screw my players who are actually using the power they have for to improve their own lives <laughs> how dare they yeah not, <laughs> and not even
3: not even necessarily like how how much can i screw my players over but it's i mean it's just um you know New- newton's third law of rpgs every action has an equal and opposite reaction and you yeah. can and i mean if a kid ever uses a monster for anything which is how mrs Frida's basically began um then you end up you you end up uh running you end up having that kid trying to answer a whole lot of questions um um
2: though so in regards to that uh, back to you know the original question as far as you know tearing up your notes um uh, it's like i it's like, like 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 i uh, told you before ross uh, there was a the game that i was running for uh, uh matt and my girlfriend manda was also on the right. podcast um where uh
3: yeah well this... i had
2: a plot yeah. that was all written out on a note card
3: <laughs> well uh just to just to set a little context here we were it, we were the kid the characters um uh who was uh, Caleb Caleb Andrews uh otherwise known as Tudope, um whose monster is Shoddy McKean, which is a a time and space bending rabbit um from a negative dimension um they were in it, they were they these two characters were in a museum uh, attending an art t- attending an art expo and when and uh Shoddy McKean, uh noticed that. Uh, there was a presence in the air. He described it as, uh, I believe Nate you you said like there is something and it is scattered about. there is something there are yeah. echoes of it. And one of Shottie, one of Shadi's powers is that he can bend light, he can bring things into focus. and so that's what so, Caleb asked him to do
2: And then as soon as, as, soon as he did that, I you know I had, I had a means of you know getting to the plot and everything and then he did that and it was like, all right, take my note card, tear it up toss it over my shoulder and go all right let's do this ble- let's improvise this I
0: thing ble- yeah i think uh, that's another i know you we, we mentioned this when we were talking before the the recording started uh the idea that improvising is sort of the key to running yeah. monsters because i mean and this is a common experience i've had even uh, when playtesting road trip you know where i have this idea and then you know people are trying to go totally off the end in, you know, Sucrose Park or something like that, it, it is like, well, hmm, how do I handle that? I had this plot, and you don't want to pay attention to it, so uh, you know, there's the, it, is, it is a real challenge, you kind of have to be very quick on your feet uh, sometimes, uh, well, I mean, it depends on your group, too, I mean, some some groups I've had were better at it than others so, I mean, your, your group obviously sounds a little more willful uh, in terms of doing what they wanted uh, but it's not like dungeon and dragons where there's mechanical reasons why your characters have to do what they want if they want to level up they want to get the treasure you know they have to go through the dungeon but you know monsters eh? whatever
3: you know yeah there's it uh the, the games actually come to the point where for a scenario i basically um i basically just i don't write I i don't write like any kind of it's just like there's this guy he wants to do a thing he's gonna be here and yeah, based- that's actually yeah. It's <laughs> actually what I would suggest for anyone else that's, that's going to GM is basically do,
2: do similar. Um, essentially, create a setting, create antagonizing force, and.
0: Well, I think I mean there either obviously there. is a, a, a place for written material uh, for published adventures, uh, <laughs> but I think even you know in Road Trip or like Handlewick Manor, uh, you kind of use those as guidelines and use the NPC stats and the, the right. basic ideas. But yeah, feel I mean that, I mean that more than any the most games you have to make the material your own. You have to you know uh, adapt it to fit your group and your circumstances. And oh. uh, fortunately with monsters, it's so easy to come up. With stats on the fly even more than any other one world engine game yeah uh, so
2: yeah especially because of the threat the threat system yeah um, Threat system just makes it, it just makes it really easy to run monsters because you know it's like oh you're going to go to like say some kid is gonna you know Run through this hallway, and there's gonna be some security guards that are just gonna be like, "No, yeah, uh, okay, well, here's an 8D threat."
3: Yeah, I mean, well, and the um, and the other thing is, it's just so expandable. I mean, when the threats were introduced in bigger bads, like one of the things, the two things in there or two different things in there is like a swarm of bees, a burning building. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It can, it, can,
2: it can just be an environment too.
0: Yeah, it, it's true. Uh, that can be dealt with only in specific ways. You can't punch a fire out, you know, yeah. unless that's your monster's useful ability—punch fires out, you know—which is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a pretty very specific ability, I'm, and I'm impressed that they they chose right correctly,
3: in that circumstance. But, uh, I think it was uh, when we were when when we were musing over uh, the Sunnyvale game that we played with you i remember yeah. uh i remember sam when we when we were talking about monsters. sam was just like um just because all of us are very familiar with that he's like my monster's gonna have useful detect superhero team
0: <laughs> <laughs> technically that's not against the, the rules if you if you yeah you had the foresight detect superhero team well then i guess that will work <laughs> um
2: i think uh all but useful once but so satisfying when it is
0: yeah exactly uh and I mean, technically, you could you could say detect plot hole or detect well, plot button.
3: Well, yeah, divide. and that's I mean, and, and yeah. that's actually that's actually one thing that like that ended up happening. That like one of the one of the pre generated monsters for that, Mr. Whispers, has a plot button power. Just like Mr. Whispers, useful knows secrets and can find more. <laughs> Like, well, there's this. There, that that was what happened in Sunnyvale. There's this mystery. No, Mister Secret, Mister Whispers knows all the secrets. Okay, you know the mystery. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So that that's obviously giving you an idea of how challenging it can be to GM. But there are ways to improve this, or to you know to. Get in the right mindset to do this. I mean, you—you've kind of guys. uh, You mentioned you've been trying to stretch this out, or you've uh, had a lot of experience doing this, and you're kind of going to the 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 here be monsters, you know, metaphorical section of the map of the, the game where. Uh, you're in the epic tears, how you described it. Yeah. What do you mean by that?
2: I mean that. Um, oh, well, uh, well, basically we we hit the point in uh, in say in, in, in uh, Mrs. Frida's. Um, I mean this is Mrs. Frida's. It, it being it's it's, go, it's gone on so long because it is of course an experiment in in uh, rotating GMS and um, in narrative flow, which has failed and has both failed and passed or and succeeded rather. Simultaneously, but you know,
3: um, but
2: it's about 50 sessions long at this
3: point. Yeah, I mean, it started it started as a one-off, and then we liked it and we kept playing it.
2: <laughs> and essentially, when you have, you know, because it's so long, uh, you sort of encounter a, a an issue. Um, with uh, when, you have, when you have monster kids or weird kids, like, weird kids would be even, even, even worse, actually. Um, but when you have monster kids uh, who, are, who have an upwards of 80 to 100 experience points accumulated over the course of a campaign, I mean, regardless of how or, or, or why, you start to encounter like, some difficulties in giving them challenges. Because suddenly they can do
3: everything. Well, not necessarily everything, but uh, I mean, most uh, things. On the, on, so there are mechanical
0: limits to the system. I mean,
2: there, there are. Yeah, there are certain mechanical limits. There, there's there, there's an upper limit to the system. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 a point where characters have so much ha, have accumulated so much experience points due to being played for so long, that they that they basically can roll ten dice for. Everything, even if they don't have exactly ten dice in that that, that particular stat plus skill, um, they've accumulated they so many relationship.
3: relationships. Yeah, I think yeah. I think the, the character <laughs> yeah, the, the character that I've played that hasn't gotten as much experience as other ones because i've run probably about 20 20 some odd sessions of mrs frida's like he still has like i think his lowest stat is like four and he has uh, maxed out relationships with at least two people and three or four other relationships there's it's uh, we've i think we've 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 gotten in relationships into crisis very infrequently in that.
2: Well, the thing is, is uh, the the thing is, with as far as the system for relationships goes, is you only take hits to the relationship, and this is actually this is a thing with uh with, with that weird kids, that the that mechanically kind of unbalances weird kids a bit, is that you only take hits to relationships when a you, you have a monster eat a relationship, a, the monster takes damage, yeah, and b when um you happen to fail a roll, when you are rolling ten dice, no matter what. You're not going to fail the roll. It you is can't...
0: very unlikely to roll a straight, you know, a one through ten. Yeah, uh, it's on ten yeah, dice. It, it you're,
2: is ha- you're highly unlikely to fail the roll, and you're highly unlikely to say if it's a max out relationship at five, you know, five, a five d relationship. You're highly unlikely to fail the roll five times straight over the course of this session. Yeah. So it's true. Um, huh. So when it comes to the relationships, it does sort of. It does of course, sort of you're talking specialty. about, of
0: course, very long campaigns, uh, you yeah. know, dozens of sessions, uh, and even then, you've kind of figured out house rules to deal with this. Or uh, I, I know you mentioned uh, about switching to wild talents. Uh, was that? That's something, uh, something we've. That's something
3: we've. Mu- that's something we've been musing about. Um, we still actually we're tr- we're still trying to we have a we have a tentative plan to do it. We're just going the thing is we haven't actually played any any sessions of Wild Towns at this point. So we want to know we want to play the system and understand fully how it works before we try and do this thing that Benbo said you can do um, yeah. and make and make that happen. Um,
2: we're also trying to figure out how to how how to, how to basically translate um, how much like how, how developed a character is into wild talents
3: well actually yeah i mean like one of the things is that i i made i actually have almost made one uh, my character uh scott vall in wild talents and like even after even with all the experience he has and all that stuff um I'm, the the basic conversion rate is actually uh it's actually pretty simple for a for a weird kid because a weird kid is just a uh, hyper stats and miracles um yeah and for the most part, like most of the things he has are hyper stats. And then the other thing that the other thing that I wouldn't have thought of that makes sense is uh, uh relationships turn into relationships turn into loyalties and passions, and the amount of dice you have in them turns into base will. Um, and that actually. That actually works out pretty well. Um, but one of the things I've discovered is that like, it is just like there's only five stats in monsters and there's there's uh, what eight or ten in uh, wild talents. I can't remember at this point. Uh, I believe there's six base stats. Plus, plus six. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's a lot more skills. So the only thing that I'm trying to that I'm trying to. Well, I mean the thing is you are playing a kid, and I uh, I think you know the only thing that the way that makes sense to me
0: is actually doing a yeah. There's six stats and they're numerous skills. So, um, the only thing that makes sense to me is, you know, have the kid as an adult in the system, but, you know, that, that's just me. Or are you doing the kid, like, the same age, just converting them to wildhounds or are you actually, yeah, we, age act- we're them actually at-
3: we actually are they're the same age because the thing is if a kid gets yeah. one of the, I mean you can't age a kid too much because if they get if they get too old then they just lose their monster.
0: Well that's not in the system per se. That's not that's
3: guaranteed uh, that- that's a that's a thing to the canon of the it's a thing to the canon of, of-
0: well there's not really an official canon in, in the sense that like this is the absolute way monsters are because again, you know they have present different settings in there like there's the Pokemon thing where the
3: yeah, they well, I mean, have
0: the monster fight publicly so
3: but i mean the uh, other but the other part of that uh that benbo writes in there is that he talks even in that one he talks about um kids that used to have monsters serving as mentors that that's one yeah that is the one thing consistent to the world that monsters and i mean we could do yeah
0: well they also uh, there's also the npc um the one the the adult who still has the yeah, monster the, bug still, the, creepy guy. Yeah, the creepy yeah the guy yeah, guy creepy guy uh,
3: who's yeah. a, who's a child at heart and also in kind of in brain um yeah uh then i mean yeah, that could that could could be a thing as well if they haven't gotten over their actual like internal turmoil then yes a a monster can still stay with them right Um, i mean i think uh, again uh we're getting
0: that's uh, that that kind of brings up a good point about the toolkit approach to it is that there there is no you know super official canon for it uh i mean yeah yeah, Binbo says and that's that's a very common convention to say you know your imaginary friend goes away when you grow up that's your rite of passage into adulthood but that I mean, for me, that, that, that's, I, I don't know. I, 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 of course, when I wrote in Curriculum Conspiracy, you know, I said a wizard did it. The evil wizards are stealing them from children and, you know, enslaving the monsters. That's why that happens or the monsters die, you know, in the case
3: of one character and in Road Trip, that's, um, it's, a, yeah, it's completely different. Yeah. It's, it's too completely yeah. different. Like, uh, er, cause Curriculum Conspiracy is a horror campaign. And Road Trip is a Warped Saturday morning cartoon. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> And yeah, I mean that's, but I mean yeah, and you, you base that on the actual uh, on the actual wizard antagonist who, yeah, he would because through through harnessing the arcane he manages to break manages to break even this supernatural convention. But yeah, there's um, I mean there is a that's one of, that is one of the things I like about the system that that uh, does make it um just actually kind of uh talking about the toolkit approach one of the one of the things that. I've actually uh, ended up um, I ended up writing up recently that's on, on the cult of ORI, Um mm-hmm. was a uh, uh, have you ever seen the have you ever seen the anime denocoil? coil Denko, oh was that you who did the cyberpunk thing? yeah um, yeah I heard of it I haven't uh, watched it yet basically I, mean, seen... I mean it's it, basically um, you you know kids kids um playing around in uh you know with glasses that have that have augmented reality having crazy adventures and uh fighting fighting evils of the cyber world um and i realized that it's basically monsters find re- find replace magic with technology um <laughs> yeah. yeah and I ended up yeah. and it's just one of those he, one of those things that uh hmm? sorry Nate
2: he played he played tested that over at uh you know when he when he was visiting um uh, uh, he was uh visiting over here in west virginia um and I playtested it for, you know, a bunch of us, um, and it went very, very well. Actually, it actually the, the, the translation was, I mean, it it was it was good up to a point, and that was only because there was one minor glitch that made a character really, really overpowered.
3: Yeah, well, that's just because I didn't. Um... Yeah, I mean there was. That's, that sounds solvable. That doesn't. Sound yeah, like, no, yeah, that was. Me. Yeah, it was yeah. an inherently flawed premise. It was. So. Yeah, no, it was. No. It was a well, thing the that the premise. Was... The premise itself. Is perfect. Yeah, because uh, okay. in in a world in in a world where people where people have you know um people have movie you know movie style hacking, one person decided to have actual hacking. Mm. which is far more efficient right. and deadly.
0: Yeah. It's like you're not doing the, the CIS thing, N C A S thing where you're tapping away at a keyboard and, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I was thinking of a clip where two characters were tapping away at the same keyboard yeah. to dual hack. Double you know, hacking. It was, you made, yeah, I, made I, double a, hack.
3: I made a GUI so, interface, in visual basic. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> but like, but yeah. Like a bunch of the characters, like one of them had like, I can spoof other people's glasses. And that make, means that I can, that means that my character, my avatar can shape shift. And like, Another guy had like I can create walls and that stops the uh, and that stops the watchdogs and then another guy's like I just break into the database and steal everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: It's, uh, and it's so, like, I mean, that, that kind of brings up
0: these sort of highlights one of the, the advantages I think of monsters is the, the, the toolkit approach where there is no set cosmology. You know, even we've been arguing about, you know, whether monsters go away when the kids yeah. are adults. I mean, that's kind of the assumption, but it, it, it's not explicitly spelled out in the rules. Like, it hap- this happens, this is the only way it can happen. Uh, well, so, so what do you, like, what, you know, I've, I've talked about how i modify how i set the rules i said it's sort of a pg rating you know no monsters don't go frank miller on people usually or you know uh, they might go a little gruesome on other monsters but they don't rip the mailman and in twain you know and spray blood everywhere or something like that so what when you guys are running monsters what what kind of things have you done to the cosmology what do you say about uh the setting and what i mean have you experimented what works what doesn't work you know
2: Uh, we've certainly i mean as far as the uh cosmology goes we've kind of created our own cosmology for it which Mm -hmm. is something that that uh, is another suggestion that i that i that i throw to anyone else who who intends to gm monsters is try to try to figure out who's the god of this universe or try to figure out what the what the the source the of logic magic. of the universe.
3: Yeah, yeah, and then, um, that I mean, actually really that worked out really well because the first thing we ran was Road Trip, which actually sets actually, actually established that. yeah.
0: There's the Ur monster <laughs> and it's bad and you have gotta stop it from wrecking. Yeah, the, yeah,
3: the Ur monster. It's the it is the I mean, from even from what you said from the play test, it's like the Ur monster. It's the original monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep.
0: I mean, um, that 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 actually was one of the things about Road Trip, was that it was sort of a meta... Uh, the setting was kind of a... Each adventure was kind of a meta commentary on what happens uh, in various uh, situ- monster relationships. You know, uh, Sucrose Park is based what happens when the relationship... Uh, when the monster isn't satisfied with just having one kid as a friend. It wants to be everyone's friend. And so it becomes toxic in the sense that he goes mad and he, you know, starts kidnapping everybody and holding them hostage and that kind of thing. And then another one... Um, in the Sentai Rangers is based on the idea that the, mo- the kids reject their monsters when they show up, and what happens when the kids have this, you know, void filled by the fact that they don't have a special, you know, a monster friend, and they go, you know, twisted, you know, killing everything that shows up. And, and that
2: I'm particularly fond of is uh, <laughs> a, a historical manner with the, the whole idea of growing up and forgetting your monster.
0: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, exactly. And then what, what happens when you reunite with that, and it's not exactly a happy relationship, you know, it's it's, uh, there's a lot of bitterness on both ends. So how do you have, you know, this broken relationship? And then you have. Um... Uh, the Eternal Glades, where the monsters uh, w- want the kids to be there forever, you know, where it's a very parasitic So, you know, every single idea of monsters, uh, I sort of explored with that. But again, that's you know, that's easily it, that can be explained in other ways. I mean, or what other thing? Do you
3: do you guys go with a PG thing too? Do you say like, uh, sort of. or for the, you know, like for, kind of for the for the most part, we, I mean, we. The, um, because of, because of the, um, road trip doesn't often get into, doesn't often get into dark places. We try to avoid that because it's a, it's a, it's an extreme, uh, thematic shift. Um, Mrs. Freda's is halfway home. Tends to be, uh, I mean, Mrs. Freed is Halfway Home is uh, that that one doesn't doesn't ever go to the cra- to to the crazy like fun time land that Road Trip goes to. Um, mm. It starts it starts more neutral. It goes positive and it goes it goes negative. I we went we went to a really really dark place once that was like insane and. Mm-hmm. uh and that thanks to our thanks to our own sam gravener that was uh the session <laughs> session 24 the fall of the house of odin um had where, like
2: yeah where one one character's monster um proceeded to reveal that he is in fact a, he he is in fact the big bad
3: yeah we had been kind of <laughs> setting that up for because uh the well the monster uh, i can't remember his entire name because it's something in russian that basically means one thousand and one knives but we've but the first part of that the first part of that is Odin um, who for the for the majority of the campaign was a uh, was a sort of um, if you've read Gunner Creek Court sort of like Reynardine. um in the fact that it was he was basically you know like pure evil but he was he didn't he helped though the thing. he helped like he, yeah he helped out he often helped
2: but he also hindered at the same time he he he, he gave the he gave the sort of idea that he was your ally but he was also taking things from you the entire time. Well, the mm-hmm. easiest way because to
3: explain it is that he's a, I mean, he is, um, he's a parasite. He has to he yeah. he feeds he feeds off of the off of the sorrow and angst of his child. And while he's like an evil figure, he needs to he needs to keep his host alive so he can keep getting that. Right. <laughs> um, so he needs so he ended up so if his child was in danger, he would still help her because he wants her to keep living and keep providing him with but stuff. Even if he would also he would also plan against her at the same time, um, and then
2: consequently do things to basically help the people around her. To, to build them up so he could actually tear them down to cause her to fall. And, well,
3: and while we, while this is a thing, it's like, it still doesn't go. It still doesn't go to Frank Miller because while he was an evil figure, he was, he was a big bad, he was a mastermind. So he was very subtle. He did things behind the scenes. And he, he said, he set up the dominoes and let the other, and let the other players push them over. Um, that is up until the fall of the house of Odin, where he just said, okay, the myths are off. This is, uh, mm-hmm you're you are you are going to become mine or lots of people are going to (laughs) die right some people some people did die um
0: it was sad not not quite frank miller but more say you know a don bluth movie you know happy little bravest little toaster again at the end where you know there's a scrapyard and bad things happen uh something you know uh one of the or uh Watership Down when the general shows up at the end, uh, or Plague Dogs. Yeah, or am, am I off base? Something a little like, more like that. Than, again, I think yeah. a lot of people think, oh, dark, mature games are, you know, like, again, very grim, dark, and bloody, and gory, and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the I thing think is, the, kinda...
3: the, the, when you get to that point, I mean, you just hit Riccio, and it's just.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. the thing is that, that I think that's not really a good mesh with Monsters. And yeah, well, it it's, it's, no. going with um, the emotional angle, you know, the whole very dark toxic relationships i think that that's really that's a great way of exploring the mechanics of monsters and other Jodge things and theme and that. settings without being again i go back to the venom thing you know where oh my god i have this awesome power now but uh i'm turning into a different yeah. person and i mean i mean you just
3: know, to say, and i mean just to talk yeah. about the emotional roller coaster are uh the the thing is the fall of the house of odin actually started um it started with like one of the characters had a really bad dream, uh, and then she woke up, and there was a whole there was a whole scene before we actually started getting to the plot, where like um, her, where uh, one of her friends uh, came up to her and uh, basically professed his love to her, and there was mm. some daw uh, happening there, um, <laughs> and then everything proceeded to go to hell in the most literal sense. <laughs>
2: Um, though, uh, in regards to what you were saying about Ricky O, um, mm. and how, and or how, also and how you were saying that doesn't really, that doesn't really match well with monsters. Uh, one of the reasons that doesn't match well with monsters is that, uh, in regards to basically running and playing monsters, you always have to keep in mind that you're playing children yeah. and children aren't necessarily prone to like really going that far. Well, and if they are, there's something yeah. really wrong with that child. Well, if well, like, I mean, one of a... because because even even if they happen to say not that not that interrupt you there, but even if they happen to say uh, yes, I want to rend this male man in twine. Okay, you do so, and then shortly a- shortly thereafter, oh, <laughs> I killed a man.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, fair. Yeah.
2: What have I done?
3: Yeah, <laughs> that was actually one of the uh, things that um uh one of the things actually i think what it was in one of ross it was in your old interview with ben bow that was actually one of the things that he was saying that that's if you run this game for actual children they will they are brutal um yeah,
0: yeah, they are. They, yeah, no, normal <laughs> children are. They're, they're remorseless killers, and uh, logically, that—that's the thing. That I think one of the reasons why I'm so reluctant is because I don't want to get too realistic in the sense that, oh, I have a, a superpowered friend who can kill people for me. <laughs> All will die. All hail, you know, <laughs> Grimdark. That was actually uh, a yeah. fourth grade. Although, you know? yeah, Although, but actually,
3: actually enforcing consequences and like, I, you killed that man. Yeah, that's.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, um, in regards to, as as you're saying, with you know, children, children themselves playing it are are fairly brutal. Uh, that's there's there's a disconnect there though. Um, when it comes to playing a game um, that you can't really. You know, obviously you can't play it and then go, okay, yeah, reality, et cetera, et cetera, um, because there's, there's a severe disconnect. I mean, this obviously is a fake thing.
3: Yeah, you know? no, yeah, there's no um, – these people – So you're not really <laughs> feeling the emotions of the character and everything. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, children children are the biggest PCs because none of these people are real. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter that they're dead. They never existed. Um, but
2: when – if you're actually, you know, there and you're actually playing a character and you're sort of consciously slash constantly thinking, um, okay, what really would this kid be thinking? What really would they be doing? Um, And you think of them less as a player character and more as a real person. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. really unlikely to just go on a mass murdering spree. That, I mean, when a kid oh, yeah. goes and say... Not to not to take this conversation to a dark place. But when a kid actually goes and goes into and goes and takes his father's gun and takes it to school, that kid mm. is that kid has been pushed really, really far. Yeah. They have the power to go do that. It's in their hands, they can go there and they can hurt a lot of people. Just like say a kid with a monster can go to school and hurt a lot of people, but they've been pushed to the to the absolute limit.
3: Yeah. I mean, they it, don't yeah.
2: they don't always think that way.
3: Yeah. And I mean that's and yeah. when a kid
2: has a monster, that may be a thing. They they may actually push to the point where they do do that. And if and should that actually happen, okay, yeah, why not? Um, let them go ahead and do that because this is now an emotional situation for them.
3: And that, yeah, well, it comes, it all comes back, it all comes back that you can't con, you can't control them. Just you, you you can't. There's no way in hell you can control kids with monsters, mm-hmm. but you can show them what they've done. <laughs> Yeah, and I think yeah. That was actually that was a that was a big thing that um really, really early on. Um did you ever uh did you ever play test Shane Ivey's cult busters? Uh no, that's I mean I've read the scenario, but that, I haven't. Okay, uh, so you've so you've myself. read it. So you know that there's a part in there where um where the uh the cult the cult bus two cult busters agents show up at the house and if the kid can't convince their parents, um otherwise the cult busters agents will take them. Yeah. The in the game that I uh I actually ran a play test for Sean and Alex a long long time back and I haven't posted it cuz I don't think Shane Ivy's ever going to publish it and I totally told him I'd post it if he published it. Um but basically the uh, they succeeded. They took they took uh Sean's character Richie Spears and his monster whose uh name was Dudicus. it was a giant cactus. Um when they opened the door, he was standing out there and proceeded to kill them with his like he just like he I use my spines like Yep, there's a bunch of holes in them now. They fall down and they start leaking all their stuff and Richie's dad passed out from fright and then there there was this whole thing where they had to they were he's, Richie's just like recoiling in horror and is like, "Oh my god, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? There's dead people." Um, yeah. Then yeah. that and then also his dad just saw his monster passed out from fright, had to figure out and he had to figure out like in in a matter of in a matter of seconds, this went from like something silly, like this weird Ghostbusters parody, to oh my god, I have the dispose of bodies and make my dad think I didn't just murder a bunch of dudes. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's the kind of thing is you know how do, monsters has that you know sort of great variable in uh, it is, uh shift in tone that it can it, it is can an go.
3: emotional roller coaster.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, certainly. I mean you you in in D&D you kind of know what you're going into and in Call of Cthulhu you kind of know what kind of tone you're going to expect but in monsters you don't know if you're going to have you know the ghostbusters or dexter you know the early years in essentially yeah. so uh that that and and that can happen inadvertently like, like by mistake because your monster like you know punched out the Cultbusters and rolled a whole lot of hits to the head well I mean in, like, in, oh, in, in, well.
3: yeah I mean they I mean the thing is monsters don't even have to roll that much I mean like one of the canon things that is written about them they have five hard dice for defense and they automatically penetrate any kind of armor the only way to do it which is what you end up doing in Road Trip is that like don't have people (laughs) don't ever have people that monsters can kill (laughs) have all the threats be supernatural ones
0: yeah, that's kind of what I tend to do if they're, especially if they're gonna mess with the kids, if they're gonna be any kind of, I mean, honestly, that's kind of what I do. Like I, I, I don't use the Men in Black, or if I were gonna use the Men in Black, I would have them be robots or aliens or something like that, because just yeah, normal adults versus monsters, you're gonna have pretty, you know, or be or have them be evil wizards that yeah. turn into you know dust when they ex- well, even kill.
2: even the Men the Men in Black. Uh... As, as we experience when you actually get them into a, a campaign and whatnot and you actually do make plot regarding them is um they tend to actually be less and less human mm-hmm. as they as they as you actually find out more about them. Yeah, I mean the thing. But, is... Oh, these are these are just these are pretty much just fleshy robots. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the basically the thing that I, that I um, based the Men in Black on, because there's not a whole lot of description when I ran them, there is an adventure in the back of the Monsters book called What Did You Get for Christmas? There is a sequence where the Men in Black show up, and the thing that they do is they try and to use this science thingy to get a sample of your monster. And the thing that Benbo wrote in is if the guy holding the science thingy gets eaten, as he's getting eaten, he will throw it to another man in black who will proceed to do the same thing. They are like they 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 don't react like people. They don't die like people.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. They're not. They're not human. So it's okay to you know and also, explode them.
3: And I mean, with yeah, they are. They are bullets. also they are unsympathizable things. Like in writing scenarios that involve the only thing that I'm going to say here that is a I the only thing I'm going to say here is like writing things for the Men in Black like. Required me to think about a lot of terrible things to do to children. That's I think it's, it, and I'm like, I'm really thinking about this. I'm really it thinking. It makes you feel a bit like a bad person. It does. Yeah, <laughs> I. It was. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, they're bad men. <laughs> You're a very bad men. They
0: they should be exploded with mine bullets. What are we talking about? Oh man, those guys is jerks. So, uh, yeah. And on that note, uh, any sort of uh, as we wrap this up, um, any final thoughts on running? Any other tips that we haven't gotten to for running monsters and other childish things for those uh, listeners out there who might be considering running their own game of Road Trip or Curriculum or Candlewick or whatever they might be doing or in their own game.
2: Um well I mean we've already we've already covered uh, you know to keep in mind what your cosmology is, you know keep yeah. in mind how the logic of the universe yeah. um, also uh, to keep in mind consequences of actions um, <sighs> disregarding not not as of the disregard but uh but not being too attached to your notes.
0: Yeah, I do. I do want to mention one thing. Um, I know threats are a great thing, but I think every once in a while having a big fight where they're about one to one, you know, evil NPC monsters for PC monsters, and just having a big monster brawl is a good oh, yeah, prep was... or is a good fun no, event. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: That was that was actually how I, I was... concluded the uh, the MIB arc. That they actually like there were five agents. They kidnapped. Uh, they actually kidnapped one of the kids. Um, and their friends and their and like that kid's monster were were in the fight while the kid was like, s- you know, strapped down to a table because they were doing all their like they were going kind of Jack Bauer on her. Um, and the thing was, they were going Jack Bauer on her because there were two of them with Ghostbuster style uh, proton packs waiting for the monster to show up so they could just blast it, blast the crap out of it. Um, nice. And yeah, yeah that was also- we actually got that. Okay. The, the monster is almost defeated in that. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true.
2: Um, but also, though, uh, no, no, another thing I can think of here um, off the top of my head is uh, as far as running it goes, um, not necessarily placing limitations on your players as it is uh, as, as, as described as uh, providing an illusion of free choice. Hmm. Um and this this when, when, when in, in terms of uh you know framing a game goes, um these games haven't necessarily been posted yet but uh, there's uh I, I was telling you I was, to, I, was, I was telling you that I that I wrote a campaign that was heavily inspired by Road Trip, um it was also it was, it was heavily inspired by two things Road Trip and the Shin Megami Tensei games.
0: Oh uh, yeah the uh, the PlayStation games right? Yeah. Where they're uh, high school students fighting monsters and whatnot.
2: Yeah, with monsters. With You're monsters, fighting monsters yeah. with monsters. Yes. So it, it was a really easy transition. Um, <laughs> uh, so in, in in this campaign that I was running, um, is basically uh, is basically the kids didn't have their monsters in the real world. They had their monsters in this sort of reverse world sort of situation where, you know, this reverse world that's just like their world, but just directly. Silent
0: animals. Hillish.
3: Silent Hillish, directly influenced by the underworld. Applied you know? the
0: Silent Hill filter to the real world. Ah, there
3: you go. Well, know. yeah, we actually, yeah exactly. we actually took the Silent Hill filter and then turned it purple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. And
2: uh, and then you know connected it to a you know a, an endless labyrinth and all that jazz. Um, and when they're in that situation, sort of situation, they are able to use the monsters. Well, the thing is, is when they were there, there was a goal already established. So they're taking their monsters and they're. You know, having their monsters do crazy, crazy amounts of beautiful bullshit, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, fighting, fighting the uh, the threat and everything. But the thing is, is they weren't really, they couldn't really use their monster to stray from the plot itself, Mm -hmm. because once they were in that world, their monster was really just something that gave them the power to not die.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Boy, that's a that's a useful power though, but not exactly one that can. uh... Uh, cause them to go uh flying through the city to catch uh with a giant fly- flaming bird you know for example so yeah uh not quite the same thing uh so yeah i think i think that's that's actually a really good solution if you're if you're running a game and you don't
3: want uh to deal with a lot of that. Oh, at my monster accidentally murdered a lot of people. Yeah, that was actually the uh, uh that's actually the same thing that I did in the grid as well, because mm-hmm. all the powers and the monsters and all that stuff, that exists in a world driven by computers. Like Right. They can affect anything that's connected. Yeah. So you take off your glasses, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's, yeah, I mean, they're really useful and they can talk to you. So they're kind of like muses from Eclipse Phase, uh, right. only with, you know, uh, a little more aggressive. So that's actually really, those are really good solutions. So again, if you want to run a little more sedate game or in a sense, not uh, have to worry about those kind of, uh genre breaking you know uh you again you got frank miller in my peanuts you got peanuts in my frank miller you know Uh,
3: (laughs) but uh i mean i mean on the i mean uh so i'm sorry to interrupt you again um yes but i mean on the other side of things like uh so i mean yeah there's there's the one thing disconnect disconnect the monsters from there and prevent your players from prevent your players from breaking anything on the other side Give them something to break and then say, look at how you broke everything for the next 50 sessions. (laughs) Um, And what what that what that the
2: the the, I mean, the drawback to that is that, yeah, you can very well go into, as you're saying, uh, you know, peanuts in your Frank Miller or Frank Miller in your peanuts. Uh, You can you can do that. But at the same time, the uh, the perk of it is that it turns on GM easy mode. Yeah, you no longer have to write that much. You can just sit back and react to the players basically
3: yeah. You can just yeah sort of that's true so it, it, ma- it
2: makes improvis- improvisation extremely easy as they are creating the plot for you
3: this is true And that was the so. other thing that um i mean we barely we we barely have like touched this but like one of the things that you that we had said a couple of times, this is um, monsters tends to be a very sto- tends to be a very player driven game. Players will go off and do their own thing, focus on relationships, interpersonal development, all that stuff. Like there is uh, there will be a lot of interpersonal role playing more so um, if you go for the alternate style where a player plays another player's monster, um, this is which true. is always yeah. that's all. That's actually an, um, in a, barring a couple rare occasions uh, in Mrs. Frieda's that's what we always do. Is have a mm-hmm. have a player play another player's monster?
0: Um, yeah, I mean Tom and I talked about that too. Uh, the the difficulty and a lot of people have problems role playing two characters, especially if they're talking to each other. So having I mean, someone else to bounce off against is can be useful. Tom prefers to role play his monster as well, but he's also a GM, so he's used to you know yeah. uh, playing a lot of different people at once and talking to himself. And I don't actually, know if that that's was... just all GMs are, you know just him. So yeah,
3: that was actually <laughs> uh, um, that was actually one thing uh, very referencing the uh, the Cold Busters game again. That was a two man game, and actually, like having a player play the other player's monster ensured that no matter what happened, there were both those players would always get to do something. Yeah. And then also, yeah, I mean, there's true. the uh, there's the one uh, that uh, Ross, that you do uh, whenever you run any con game, which is to split them up. And if yeah, you, well, yeah, if you, if you and that's... if you just make it a, if you make it a two man team, that's uh that is another way to kind of limit things in itself, just because, yeah. um.
0: I mean there's no w- easy way to run monsters for six people, uh but that's the only workable way I've seen. Yeah. Unless every if you're doing six kids with weird powers, I could see that working. Um, you know, a candlewick manor type game. But that's if you're actually having actual monsters in the game, you just can't have six monsters running around.
3: And I mean, it's yeah, just, well and I mean in Mrs. They're gonna flatten everything. Yeah, well I mean and also also in Mrs <laughs> yeah. also in Mrs. Frida's like the monsters the monsters tend to remain hidden like ninety percent of the time yeah um especially uh, since there are especially since the the MIB has come around once and shown them why you shouldn't not do that
2: though incidentally speaking of that, and that's something that I mean I know you want to wrap this up soon, Ross, yeah. but uh, this is a this, this is this is definitely a thing that I discovered while running monsters that um is extremely useful. Mm. Uh, one of the things about about this is that um the monsters themselves, when you have a lot of monsters, we have a lot of really. St- or we had just a very few strong monsters, and say, say it's say a situation like, uh, let's see, a situation like fighting the brain trust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have all you have these kids and they have the monsters. Let's say you have like five player characters, each one has a monster. They're fighting the brain trust. Yeah they're going to wreck the brain trust.
3: Yeah, I mean 5 versus 1. I mean it's too, even if ridiculous. the brain However, trust does go three times around.
2: <laughs> yeah, even if around. They're going to wreck the brain trust. Yeah. However, um one of the things that actually limits that that actually just like really really changes the situation, and I found this out because uh when I was running when I was running the uh the the games that I tentatively the campaign that I tentatively called uh, Shenbagamy Tensai and other childish things. Um uh, what, I, what, I, what I found there is that they would always wreck the boss fights, always. So what I started doing, well I started designing the boss fights to specifically attack the children.
3: Um, and the well, on the other side of things, uh, on the other side of things, or do the...
2: things that affected children.
3: Rather. Or well, like yeah. say yeah.
2: there was uh, you know, there was one that uh, that would like send out a sort of sort of a sort of static wave. There's not so much that it would specifically just like you know attempt to take its claws and hit a child with its claws. As it was, it was, it sent out, you know, like a pulse or a static wave or something that would that would that would like cause the kids to have headaches or, you know, problems like that. And when the kid loses all of their dice in a location. Mm hmm. It also harms the monster. Actually, it's actually it's the other uh, way. Of, it's the
3: other way around. If a monster loses all their dice, a kid loses. Um, well, all, if yeah. the kid happens to be KO'd, though, the monster can't. In the, yeah, do in, much that, more. in that in that specific yeah in that specific game, the other thing, yeah. the other option um, is there's five people against the brain trust. The brain trust is the head of security for Sucrose Park. A bunch of trap doors open and six six you know 80 uh, yeah, yeah six 8D threats pop out. <laughs> Yeah. All kinds uh, of robots yeah, that's with laser guns, flamethrowers, flamer lasers.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, obviously. any. I mean, uh, it, the it threat system
0: the is really is useful. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as we have mentioned before. But, uh, again, that goes down to basic kind of GMing in the sense that you don't have if, if five players versus one NPC is going to be a short-sighted fight just because of how our, all are our, – you know, that's five actions versus one action. Mm-hmm. So even – or even three actions. It, it's just um, – most games work a lot better when the fights are against near even numbers where there's, you know, there are a number of combatants equal to each other. Yeah. Something like that, but especially in monsters, because again, like you can specialize one monster with gnarly five, you know, attack. No. Yeah. That was, I mean,
3: that was the reason I don't uh, try and control anything anymore. One of the first monsters that was made by a player had like three locations. One of them had gnarly times five and spray times two. And the, on all of them had tough times five,
0: Right, so I mean, and so you kind of have to engineer monsters to it threats to take care of them. So you have someone who's like, oh, a spider that just spins a web and, you know, paralyzes you, ah, you know, and then attacks everyone else. Yeah. Uh, so that that, but that again, that players only like so much of that if every single monster has the way to negate or ignore their defenses. Um. So, uh, there. Uh, so, but. That that kind of gives you sense. So I think that gives uh, people who are thinking about trying monsters uh, enough of perspective of how to play it, how to run it. Uh, so if you want to hear more, uh, obviously the Drunk and the Ugly have a very large archive of uh, road trip games of Mrs. Frida's uh, boarding house uh, and other games. So and of course, we have the other games on. RPP, our actual play. Uh, so you should get a, a great sense from our actual plays of
3: what uh, to expect with monsters. So, uh, and just before thank, we, uh, yeah, thank you, Matt. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah. Just, just before we wrap this up, I do, I would like to say that according to Arc Dream, for three months, we were the only, we were the only podcast with road trip, actual plays.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they didn't put yes on. Yeah. Sad face. So, uh, um, they just like
3: you more now
0: <laughs> they'll they'll find some other podcast, and you'll be thrown away too you'll you'll see what it's like
3: oh I've already I, that's already I, happened. Shane Ivy yeah. never talks to me um, <laughs> all right <laughs> all
0: right well, we'll, all right well uh we'll uh in the next episode we're gonna be talking about wall talents and of course but of course, in this episode we're gonna have uh letters uh shout outs, and anecdotes so uh, we'll see you guys uh, just in a bit. Yeah.
1: Well, these letters tend to drift all over the place when it comes to the matter of topic. Sometimes I try to tackle real issues that affect gamers or some really burning problem that I see in today's society that is truly crying out for a serious discussion. Other times, I like to delve into true, inane bullshit, things that have no relevance whatsoever, like me just standing on a street corner and noticing when something farts and then pointing at it till somebody asks me to leave. But today, the topic falls in between those two categories. Today, I am just going to sit back and comment on something I have observed in most most of the D&D campaigns I have been involved with. It is the dynamic that players have with each other from the lowest level to the highest level. Now, this dynamic is certainly different from group to group, but some trademarks of this are universal. First of all, let's take a brand new group of characters. They are young, inexperienced, and prone to try to tackle problems on a much smaller scale. These are the adventurers that help out the old farmhand whose prized cow has been stolen by some bandits. A merchant needs a package delivered to a neighboring town, that kind of thing. The players are usually very tight knit out of sheer necessity. They are not powerful, and if it was not for their equipment and level 1 spells, they would be no different than a commoner, which anyone who has ever read the monster manual knows that a house cat could kill you. So they stick together, trying to survive long enough to advance in their chosen classes. Magic items are a distant blip on the horizon, or even getting a weapon with a plus one bonus is extraordinary. The dynamic starts to change as the players gain levels. In many cases, they do not rely on each other as much as they used to. The fighters are clad in powerful magic arms and armor, the M1 battle tank of the fantasy world. The casters have a veritable arsenal of spells at their command, essentially powerful artillery batteries. The cleric is now a mobile hospital and enhancement compound, able to buff the group in massive ways. And the rogue, with his highly enhanced sneak attack and with wicked magical items, is now the equivalent of a sniper with a 50 caliber Barrett rifle. Each one can do just fine on their own against normal threats. And the player's whole attitude towards the people they have protected for so long change. Suddenly, recovering that stolen cow is nothing more than a distraction. I have observed many players actually start to resent the rank-and-file citizens. They seem to think that if the citizens aren't going to try to grow stronger to defend themselves, then why should the players care? And those bandits are just dust in the wind now. At high enough levels, even armies cannot withstand the onslaught of a group of high-level adventurers. And with access to other planes and worlds, the cares of the material world really start to seem dull and unimportant. It was thinking about this that made me realize something. D&D players are the Watchmen. Those who have risen above normal people to become truly exceptional at various skills. They can do things that most only dream of. They, they gain in power, and suddenly they are, the, they are strong enough to begin ignoring the laws and rules of, uh, that other people have to obey. When that happens, they start to grow disdainful of the so called authorities. The problems of the little people fade, fade in comparison to the now world threatening foes they turn their attention to. And If they get high enough level, they become Dr. Manhattan. They get bored of the affairs of people. The normal world no longer matters. Any threat that only threatens that world is something hardly worth thinking about. The players then turn their attention to other planes of existence, trying to find something to make their godlike minds try to give a crap. In essence, all D&D players want basically one thing, the power to keep being amused with violence, even if they have to start traveling the universe to kill gods. And screw bar wenches, even if those bar wenches dwell in the heavens and are demigods. Happy gaming.
0: we're back we so are. uh there's a good letter tom that actually Thanks. reminded me of uh, uh well you might have been inspired a little bit by a post on the something awful forums uh from yeah, you emailed member, it to me yeah right? yeah uh to several people because it was so great from a member called fugo fish in the traditional game sub forums which i'm going to read to everybody now in my rorschach voice because it is uh that's it's, it's rorschach basically. yeah it's rorschach and it's 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 amazing right, anyways <clears throat> Cobalt carcass at a ten by ten corridor this morning, mace imprint on burst stomach. this dungeon is afraid of me. I have seen its true face after a successful sense motive check. The hallways are extended obelettes, and the obelettes are full of blood and when the layers finally scab over all the vermin without an aquatic template will drown in two turns or less. The accumulated loot of all their skill challenges and pillage will surge up above their waists about their waists. "'assuming medium size, and all the beholders and hobgoblins "'will look up and shout, "'Roll initiative!' "'and I'll look down and whisper, "'Twenty.'" "'They had a choice, all of them. "'They could have followed in the footsteps of good men "'like my father or Elminster, "'decent men who believed in 15 minutes, 15 minutes work for a day's pay. <laughs> "'Instead, they followed the droppings of orcs and necromancers "'and didn't realize that the railroad tracks "'led into a cutscene until it was too late.'" Don't tell me they didn't have a choice. Now the whole campaign setting stands on the brink, staring down into bloody hell and or the abyss. <laughs> all those fighters and rogues and non-casters, and all of a sudden, nobody can think of anything to roleplay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and that was from an alignment to our, That was actually from a nut thread... Uh, uh, arguing about the alignment of Rorschach and other characters and how alignment is a horrible, mm. horrible mechanic in Dungeons and Dragons. But it came, this came out of it, so it was a beautiful, yeah, there beautiful you go. thing. So, uh, thank you, Fugo Fish, uh, on something awful of forums. Thank you, you much. You were a good human being. So, um, let's get on to shout outs aside from that. Um, First off, I would like to mention uh, a webcomic I've been reading, which is actually I'm going to use as a basis for the Iron Heroes game whenever I run it. It's called American Barbarian. It's a post-apocalyptic swords and sorcery epic. And it's amazing. Uh, It's... About American Barbarian, who is like a, a He-Man type figure, only he has red, white, and blue hair. Uh, <laughs> and, a, and a sword that actually, every time he swings it, it leaves a, a streak that's red, white, and blue. <laughs> uh, fighting the, the evil warlord, Two-Tank Omen, uh, who actually has a tank for a foot. Each foot is a tank. And... <laughs> It's it's amazing. It's like Thunder <laughs> the Barbarian with Jack Kirby art. Wow, I totally on remember that. I totally
1: remember that show.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: pretty intense for the '80s. Yeah, and Hanna Barbera. It, it's
0: it's fucking great, and yeah. he's it's. Uh, I'll put a link to it, and it's not too long to catch up on. So uh, check that out. So uh, I know you want to talk about the movie we saw recently.
1: Yeah, yeah. We uh, I know we've probably mentioned uh, the Lost Skeleton of Cadaver on the show before. Yeah. It's uh it's brilliant. You, it you is. should see it. But that movie, Unbeknown well we knew it was coming, but not that it had already been out, was its sequel, the uh The Lost Skeleton Returns Again. Which we uh thanks to Aaron actually, we got a copy of it. Yeah. Yay
0: Aaron. It's on Amazon. It's actually pretty yeah. cheap. It's only like ten bucks. But we watched and it. you can and watch it now too. It's
1: so. it's brilliant. Yeah. It's really good.
0: Yeah, it's it's got this like the original this this great dialogue that is just tongue Intentionally twisted, bad. Intentionally bad and incredibly obtuse and hard to pronounce but these actors get it down perfectly and it's it's a a work of art. Especially I mean, the main character now. Yeah. Um it's yeah, it's a, it, this time it's a parody of like uh Jungle movies from the 50s and 60s, you know, safari movies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, exotic natives and you know, monsters and that kind of thing. So uh, it's worth watching. It's very. If you like the original, you should see the original too. Oh my god! If you haven't seen Lost Skeleton or Cadabra, oh my I, god! I also doing? wonder. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's dialogue that you have to be a good actor to get intentionally that bad.
0: Yeah, you do. So um, watch it.
1: You better watch it.
0: Um, next up, I'd like to mention uh, another webcomic uh, that I found also from the Something Awful. I found American Barbarian from the Something Awful forms. Uh, and so uh, I also found this one called the uh, Abaddon. Uh, it is – or Abaddon. Uh, it's about a guy who is trapped in an apartment. He has bandages on his head and you find out nobody – there's like five roommates with him mm-hmm. in this this kind of rundown apartment. Uh, they have nothing to drink but beer and coffee. There's no food, but nobody starves to death, and things get weirder from there. So really? yeah, it's really it's it's very much uh, I wouldn't say an homage to No Exit, the Sartre play, but mm. it, you can obviously see elements of in there. But it's a very existential, surreal kind of horror vibe. It's really creepy, really really great art too, and um, it's again not too long. Uh, uh, right now, it's only you know a hundred. Strip so far, mm-hmm. so 110. So it's easy to read through in an hour or two. So, uh yeah, nice. read it. Yeah, do it. All right. Just do it. It's free. Okay. What are you waiting for? God. God.
1: Jesus. All right. I got another couple of them. Yeah. Both of them 80s horror movies. Yeah. You know me in that. Uh, the first one is uh, The Terror Within, 1989. It's, you know, it's one of those end of the world movies where the actual end of the world's really kind of glossed over. Yeah. And they, you never actually see any signs of it being the end of the world. Okay. It's supposed to be a plague has wiped out most of mankind. Right. About all the rest are now mutated monsters. But it's all set in the desert, so you never actually see any signs of society
0: dead. That's what that's that's a big disappointment to you.
1: No, it's just I've seen a lot of movies like that where it's like the world has ended. I mean, it's over there somewhere, but Right.
0: Well, I mean, if the world's ended, it'd be kind of like you know, life without uh, after people. It'd be just be kind of still shots of you know ruined buildings. For well,
1: you know. except there's these like, that, like, it's like it starts with this one like there's a group of survivors in a bunker that yeah. developed not a cure but like a vaccine that protects them from it. But they have to keep giving themselves injections. Yeah, and so they're they're constantly wandering around this desert trying to find it. And you know, one guy comes across this woman lost in the desert who, and of course, this was the 80s, so a, one of the mutants has already raped her. And she's pregnant, and it grows, like, massively quick. And uh, and suddenly they, there's a monster loose in their bunker. So it's like an
0: alien's ripoff.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Oh, wow. But, you know, decent effects, but, you know, silly silly as hell. Wow. It's, yeah.
0: It sounds classy. Uh, and
1: nowhere related to that, though, is the other movie. Uh-huh. Chopping Mall. Yeah. Which is essentially the s- shoppers trapped overnight in a shopping mall that has just installed super military defense robots as security mm. and they it for some reason they they break yeah and they try to start killing people and it is
0: no, they don't try to kill people. Well, they, they kill succeed people. many people, and of course, it's
1: all like feathered hair, '80s kind of yeah. you know douchebag people.
0: I know they're animated looping gifs of like a robot shooting a laser at a woman, and her head blows up. Yeah, I've it, seen that's that's very popular in Tumblr right now. Yes, so.
1: it's that it's that movie. Yeah, it's uh, and of course I love what I love mostly is actually the cover art of this movie, original cover art. Yeah, it's like it's a metal. It's like a, first of all, these robots have no arms as, as I can tell. Yeah, but it's like a metallic hand with spikes on it holding a shopping bag with severed heads in it that's the
0: cover art of this movie you're you're angered about this deceptive a- advertising
1: no i'm not it's i want to know um why'd you give them limbs on the i'm probably looking too much into this
0: you you are you are you just admitted you're you're angry about their deceptive advertising i mean you, i mean is it too much to ask for honesty well, I mean, for 80s sci-fi movies, for 80s horror movies, yeah, it is. Because that, that's the whole point of 80s B-movies is that they have badass cover art, you know, uh, like art. Kind of like metal albums. Well, but metal albums are just music. But, I mean, mm-hmm. these are movies where, like, oh, wow, there's this incredible badass robot. And when you look at it, oh, my God, that's so lame. I mean, so it's like every single low-budget '80s so action like, movie. So, what, like, the, like, what, like
1: what, the cover of Escape from New York when it has the st- head, st- head, this head of the Statue of Liberty lying in the middle of Manhattan, but in the movie the statue's still intact. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, but even oh my that's God, too I just, big. I blocked that out. Yeah, oh that's God. every single '80s movies ever. I mean, that's just I would
1: know. I you'd think I'd know. I watch enough of them.
0: Yeah, but you you clearly are in denial. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm trying to block it out. You are. It's not even a doubt. You're a doctor. uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, anyways, um, speaking of horror, uh, there's a new comic series that I've started reading called Fatale. Uh, Ed Brubaker, it's an image comic. uh, So, you know, create our own. And it's sort of – there's only two issues so far out of four. Uh, but it's it's like noir, you know, mystery mm-hmm. hard boiled with a Cthulhu or some sort Sam of love crafty- yeah, stuff. Yeah, with uh some element of the Cthulhu mythos. It's uh about an immortal woman, how she's a femme fatale, <laughs> and hence the the title mm-hmm. of the name, and there's cultists and disembowelings and beheadings and just monsters mm, and- well we not nothing explicit. I mean there's no monsters like actually in the comics so far, but it's been kind of implied that okay, there are okay. bad things. So uh I mean, we're only two issues in, so we'll... Uh, well it. Yep. Yep. Um, next up... Uh, oh, and finally, a uh, new cyberpunk series, uh, Bone and Wires. It's uh, from Michael Sheen, who... Uh, his sci-fi novel, Shadow under a Dead Star, I believe. Uh, Shadow of a Dead Star. Um, I've mentioned on a previous podcast, uh, he's now doing a serial short story based in the same universe. It's basically kind of eclipse-y, uh, mm-hmm. not quite as advanced technology, but you know, invest corporate investigators looking into the sh- what people do with technology mm. in the future, which is really bad, bad things, bad. What are you so, saying
1: we do we abuse technology?
0: Yeah, we do. And that's uh, breaking my disbelief. There. So you can uh, and it's a free download on like Curiosity Quills, uh some new small publishing company's website. So, you know, hey, check that Fantastic. out. Fantastic. Yeah. So, uh that's uh, our little shout-outs.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: are we really doing this? I guess. Okay. I don't know what we're doing. Uh, you're you're very tired. Yeah. No. I just, yeah. I feel better now, actually. So, good. Um, Decaffeinated tea, yeah, not always a good idea. So, uh, anecdotes. We, uh, of course, haven't been getting many uh, listener emails lately. Uh, but well, we have, but not like with anecdotes. So uh, if you have them, send them in. We'll get them. We'll read them. Yeah, we'll make you famous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would like to mention uh our new uh, Wild Towns game. You won't listen for a long ass time because I'm a monster and I don't really. Well, a- we uh, it was a t- time between tiers. Yeah. Uh, we just ended. The, we ended the second tier and in between tiers, we run a, uh one shot games using the same characters, and uh, this time I get to play. And Caleb ran a game uh where. Essentially, we were trying to save Sanctuary, which is the bottle in a city, city uh, in a bottle, city in a bottle. Sorry, mm-hmm. uh, city in a bottle of uh, the wild, of this the new Arcadia setting, where there are all these aliens and refugees. They have nowhere else to go, and uh, the planet's called Sanctuary. And this bad person had basically set up uh, set up the set up us the bomb. Uh, wow, Yeah, we're, we're going way back. We're, going, I know, we're right? stepping in the way back machine here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it created a massive uh, device that would de- destroy the entire planet. Kill all the people and as being heroes. We must stop it. But uh, there was a few... And we were playing... Uh, uh, the final tier of this Wild Talents campaign is going to be with 500-point characters. So... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Caleb had a good idea to deal with 500-point Wild Talents characters. You want to explain Yeah,
1: it's... Well... I'd probably probably massacre it, but what part it gains is it's taking place in the um, well it's a it's a it's called of, the, pres- it was called it's, the preserve it called it's called the preserve it's essentially for beings that actually that essentially have work on different physics so and uh they've they formed this this whole society in this place called the preserve based on like a magical society like magical fantasy type thing largely based on you know game video games and yeah. things like that.
0: Well, that's how it appeared to us, our yeah. characters.
1: So, we were there and essentially we don't belong there. Yeah. And this whole place has like has, you know, dragons flying overhead, which are essentially def- the defense mechanism of the place
2: where or well, one of them, one of them,
0: yeah. where if like if something starts, you know, well, the dragons are to keep us from flying or teleporting. Mm-hmm. If they see anything, then they'll activate the reciprocal defenses, and it's a really clever system that Caleb came up uh, thought of. It's basically he based it off of Skyrim, uh, Skyrim's internal game logic, which was in Skyrim monsters leveled up with you, and mm-hmm. they always adapted to what you were doing. So in this, in the preserve, basically anything we did. The, mon- the 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 inhabitants, the natives yeah, of that third area third. would start to do. So, like, the first time we were fine. Second time they get a bonus. The third time they get a large bonus to their dice pool. And then the fourth time... They get it. They get whatever power we were doing. For example, if I shot them with a lightning gun, after four times they they'd, would have, light, have They would have lightning guns. They would have lightning... They'd, they'd shoot lightning out of their asses. And, and
1: I think, actually, you know, it was like, well, like, the person you used it against... Yeah. I think if you used it more than everyone would yeah. get a lightning gun.
0: Yeah. Or if you regenerated, or if you uh, were too smart. Yeah. If, like, one of our characters has five hard dice in mind now, so plus normal dice. Everyone starts getting smarter. Yeah. So, uh, or you get to make too many stability checks. They stop caring about things. Uh, So everything's reciprocal. So the more badass you portray yourself, or you actually act, the more powerful the the inhabitants get. So it becomes quickly unmanageable. So it was basically, we had all these powers, but if we use them... We actually used them, we'd be fucked. Yeah. well, we could use them once or twice, so we had to be really excruciatingly careful about what we actually did and in order to fit in, we also had to like blend yeah, in did, we had do, to do, do stuff that,
1: do stuff that people in this world did, like accept quests and, yeah
0: and yeah. uh so it was us basically going through skyrim fucking around with that, and my favorite bit um was we went to the city, mm-hmm. yeah you know, uh. What the the the, den of, the town? The town. Well, it's called the. Uh, he had names that we could. He said if den we of ever scum and villainy to villainy, villainy. If we actually tried to say them, we'd say if we would mispronounce it, and you know mm-hmm. it'd be a horrible insult. But that's how Caleb said it was called. And I, um we were with this robot who was our guide for the place. He was like the maintenance robot who was sitting in a little control yeah. room out or uh, surveillance room outside. And yet he, had, he and was his best, he,
1: his best friend
0: was a soda can because he was a robot that was too intelligent and had actually gone crazy, stir crazy. So some thief, Jan-
1: uh, janitorial contaminant ninety five. <laughs> yes, yeah. um,
0: a thief in this in the, the the hive of villainy and scum. You know, den of villainy and scum had stolen the soda can. So I went off and chased it. And so I killed the thief like, oh, who are you? The knife and dog were all this. I am the knife. So I said, fucking, I am the knife in the dark. <gasps> oh my god, he is the knife in the dark. Prove it. And so I make a leader. I, I use different skills. I use leadership to claim leadership of mm. the thieves' guild. And then I use lie to lie and say, oh, you must steal everything from this mansion. I have already done this and replace it with an exact duplicate. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I became the chosen one, the knife in yeah. the dark. And so. I became
1: the Batborn.
0: Yeah, instead of the Dragonborn. So... Uh, it was... Uh, an insane game. Uh, very just, insane. It was very meta fourth wally, but it was very fun because it's uh, basically. I realize now that I'm going to have to run this Wild Talents campaign with 500 point characters. I'm going to have to basically do mm-hmm. shit like that every single time to challenge you, because otherwise, like things like skill checks no longer really apply to your characters, <laughs> and like simple combat no longer applies to your characters. Like, oh, I provide four hard dice of defense to everybody, so yeah. all the time, derp, derp, derp. So. <laughs> Uh, Jason yeah. was right yeah Jason was right uh, I actually emailed the rules question to Eric Solzzy and uh, he agreed with Jason's ruling so uh, Jason's, gonna,
1: do... Jason's going to enjoy to
0: hear that yeah he already he has he's already... oh he's our
1: he's, that's what he's doing right now he's like, ah, I'm
0: right J- I beat Ross yeah basically so uh, you have you have something to look forward to in that in indeed uh, it's a
1: very good game and uh, I actually look forward to getting back into the actual campaign
0: yeah, which we will start in the next week or two. So if Aaron runs his giant size game first, we'll find yeah,
1: out. He's got to run it
0: though. Yep, he does. So, uh, but we'll find out anyways. Um, that's uh, about it for this episode. Yeah, so so uh, we'll uh, see you episode hi- seventy. Yes, episode seventies. There are monsters in the school, Tom. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Catch you on the flip side.